Welcome to the green screen of death. My name is Adrian. And my name is Bill. So it's been it's been a hot minute since we've recorded, hasn't it? <laughs> so I have a date for you. Okay. May 8th, 2020. Yeah. That was when our last episode was posted on the internet. Seriously? Damn. Over six months. That's insane. And before that, it was probably six months before that. So here's the thing. <laughs> um, we were going to record probably two or three months ago, and audibly, I stopped it. Mm-hmm. For, for some reason, I just was not feeling it at all, and I just said, dude, I, I just don't want to do it. Yeah. And we just never rescheduled. I have notes written for that show. Oh, seriously? In, in my book that I, I always do my notes and I, I noticed it today. I had full notes for that show and I remember killing the show like an hour before we were going to record. Yeah. And I was like, oh shit. <laughs> I feel bad that's, now. That's crazy. But yeah, I, May 8th. Oh, you know what? Was that in September? Something like that, yeah. Wait, did this not, not happen? Was it Irishman, Knives Out, and Marriage Store? Not, no, that can't be it. No. The fuck? Okay. I was checking my notes too, and yeah, it's probably probably in there somewhere. That that's crazy though. Yeah, it's been a while, man. It has. I miss it immensely, dude. Like uh I think that um yeah, movie watching it, it's it's different now, isn't it? It is. I, I don't uh but here's the weird thing, like movie theaters were have been closed around North America except for in our area until like a month ago. We were yeah, that's true. everything everything was open. And mm-hmm. I was I was still watching movies every weekend. Oh, yeah i went to the movie theater every weekend and watched two or three movies oh crazy yeah like i but here's the thing like i was the only person there yeah i don't know how they they were staying in business i was the only person there in the like in the building like i went like (laughs) i went to all the theaters and looked inside and there was nobody there that's crazy yeah, and I was just like, oh, okay, cool. And half the time, I didn't pay anyway. I used, like, scene points or something like that. Right. Yeah, so Damn. It, it was, it's, I saw it, everything on the big screen this year. <laughs> That's insane. Yeah. Yeah, I I saw, like, after, like, Onward was the last movie before the pandemic. And then uh, I think I saw Tenet twice and uh, Peninsula in the, in the theater once it pandemic started and let me tell you seeing peninsula in the middle of a pandemic i I felt really anxious and short of breath for like the first hour of the movie i think the real story was like yeah the movie was there but the the whole idea of how what was actually going to happen when you got to the theater yeah like with like cleaning and like sanitation and stuff like that i was was just like are they gonna like come in and like wipe my seat down or something but nothing like that happened everything Mm -hmm. was just marked like i think i think they're they're allowed 50 people in the theater right and there was maybe less than 10 like yeah. nobody was going yeah and we, it was like a, a big movie on a big imax like 400 seat screen and there was 10 people there. yeah that was my experience with tenet i went I and saw it at the imax and there was maybe a dozen people each time i went went to see it yeah i saw tenet opening weekend at, in the same theater in the imax and there was 10 people there yeah biggest movie of the year it's crazy yeah <laughs> that's insane but yeah, I, pro- I probably saw 40 movies in the theater from March to November. Yeah. Holy shit. Pretty scary. That is. <laughs> that, that is. Like, I saw three <laughs> theatrically, so. That's, that's cool. But uh, no, I... I, I I just the way I thought about it is like there was nobody there. I always mm-hmm. I always I always tried to go on Tuesday afternoon. Right. Oh and, yeah. Uh, during the cheap Tuesday. Yeah. And uh, yeah, there was nobody there, so it was fine. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, and and the thing is, like our city in particular 
our cases uh, have been pretty low through this whole time. It's I haven't kept up to date recently, but I would say through summer, it was like extremely low. Yeah. So uh, we never did a mid-year top 10 show. Right. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> we uh, tend to do these kinds of things. We uh, That's right. We just randomly miss stuff. Mm-hmm. We love you, but we're just busy or something else happened or we just didn't care. I apologize. Yeah. 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 As, a bit I, of... A bit of all of the above. Like, like, like I've said before, if you guys want to pay us, we'll be here every two weeks. Uh, ab- absolutely. Yeah, but until then, uh, we re- we write our own schedule. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, but between uh, our last uh, recording, we did uh, some film festivals. That's uh, right. We did uh, Fantasia Fest. That all, was cool. All online. Uh, we saw some really cool movies there. I think I probably watched about 10 movies there. Mm-hmm. Then we jumped right into tiff right we saw a bunch of really big movies that yeah a lot of people hadn't seen but uh it was funny uh to see a movie at, to rent a movie at tiff for 24 hours was 25 bucks yeah that's pretty insane 25 bucks and then and then i did vif uh in, in, in the two weeks of vif i watched 93 movies holy shit yeah i watched every movie every drama and most of the documentaries i watched everything except for that's like awesome maybe like three movies yeah yeah that's wicked yeah it was it was nuts and i also did fantastic fest which only had like five movies but uh it was really good oh cool it was all free and uh, i probably shouldn't have been there but i, I used the vpn so haha yeah technology wins technology wins uh but uh yeah it's i've i've had a pretty damn good film year uh it's for what it is you, you know you you'd expect it not to be good because everything everything got delayed oh yeah this year was really good really yeah, good. it was yeah it was it was a fantastic year like as i was writing my list i was like oh shit you know like i'm gonna i'm gonna have to kill some darlings here <laughs> and uh so, some stuff won't fit and uh yeah even despite fast and furious getting delayed <laughs> you know oh still a pretty good year <laughs> so uh you you got a ps5 and an xbox right that's right yeah yeah and we we got them right away i still have friends that don't have a ps5 that's crazy yeah they're impossible to find yeah yeah i uh, yeah we both lucked out that was actually the uh we saw each other twice last year right since yeah. since march it was we went to go pre-order ps5s at best buy but they were they we got there and they said we're only doing them online and then i saw you when i picked up sarah's switch i think yeah that was it that's insane that sucks man yeah <laughs> sucks. what are, what are you playing on ps5 i am playing well i was playing cyberpunk but it's really buggy yeah i had to stop it just it just kept on crashing on me so uh i'm trying to uh finish my 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 hard platinum on jedi fallen order sweet yeah that's awesome i i just reinstalled that now i was actually playing that most of today it's awesome it's a great game i'm glad you finally got on that one yeah i just played the mission where you take over an atat and and uh forrest whitaker shows up and he's like yo that level Go fuck these bitches up that level's awesome dude yeah watch out for the hidden creatures that jump out and like jump scare you they're fucking oh, ter- fucking yeah. terrible <laughs> yeah i had a spider jump on me and and yeah. that was about as far as i got <laughs> <laughs> uh so yeah uh did you watch uh david Ehrlich's uh yearly video i did it, i loved it does a pretty good job eh? oh yeah he, he's incredible at that stuff uh yeah he uh always knocks it out of the park i have no idea how he does it but it's always great every year mm-hmm. uh, he talks about it 
about how he like four months ago started doing it that's crazy yeah it takes him like four months to do it it's insane yeah yeah it shows too like his his edits are flawless like the way they like every shot matches the other and it's like different movies i i don't know how he does it it's wizardry to me the uh the 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 one thing that got me really hard was uh the song he used over the the movie swallow was the song that the girl sings in uh never was it never never rarely <laughs> sometimes, sometimes always. always yeah 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 and, and that was so amazing oh it, it's a great touch i can never remember that movie for some reason i've seen it like four times and i still can't remember that stupid damn title <laughs> yeah well, I guess the way I remember it is it starts off with never and it gets progressively more, I guess you could say, in <laughs> quantity, never, rarely, sometimes, always. So I don't know. <laughs> it's a weird thing. But at first when I saw the title, and I'm not going to touch on this too much, but like when you get the title of the movie as you're watching it, it's just such a just tears at your heartstrings. The gut punch. Yeah. Oh, and uh Here's something I thought I'd never do. Mm -hmm. This absolutely fucking kills me. And anybody who knows me knows that this is like words that I'd I, I never want to come out of my mouth ever again. But Adrian Charlie, congratulations for your team Liverpool winning, oh, the, yeah. winning the English Premier League. Hell you, yeah. You motherfucker. <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> yeah, that was a that was a big day. And uh, man, been a long time coming, dude. We had we've come close once or twice in the last 15, 20 years. <laughs> but uh, thanks, dude. It, it looks like you guys are on your way this year. Yeah, we're doing OK. We're in first place. So, yeah, uh, yeah, we're, we're looking pretty good. But uh yeah, and uh, uh, congratulations to the U.S. for doing something pretty cool a couple weeks last week. Hell yeah. Uh, thankfully, that all worked out. Everybody's safe. I'm happy to say that. Hope all my friends in the U.S. are safe. And yeah, that was a weird time for the last couple weeks. Yeah, it was. But uh, Lots going on. Yeah, uh, and one last thing for me. Rest in peace, Eddie Van Halen. Yeah, man. The greatest. Yeah, yeah, anybody, that's a heartbreaker, dude. Anybody who says they didn't like just absolutely love Van Halen in the in the eighties, you mm -hmm. you obviously weren't born because they're the greatest rock band of the eighties. Hell yeah, 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 yeah. Jump is still a big song in like all my playlists, and I was listening to music driving around, and that came on shortly after he died, and I was just like, oh fuck, dude, this is um you know once in a lifetime kind of music you know and that's a heartbreaker the day he died somebody shared a video with me of him uh playing eruption live and uh he was smoking a cigarette put the cigarettes in the fret of his guitar and played eruption with a cigarette <laughs> wow <laughs> that's sick yeah it's just, uh stop smoking it probably killed him but holy shit he's a fucking genius <laughs> yeah that's insane dude that's awesome. Do you uh do you got anything else before we uh we switch over to the big show? Um I can't really think of much else. I just well, also I guess I just wanted to say too like uh, how much I've missed doing the podcast and you know going to movies and having our regular comp like and that's the thing. We still talk like not daily but like every other day pretty much. Um it's just we haven't been doing this, 
you know? So uh, definitely looking back into getting into the swing of things because, uh, you know, we have fun with this and I think I think we're good at this. So <laughs> definitely mean, looking forward to getting this this one in. The thing is, is that Adrian did it right this year. He didn't, he didn't watch a lot of movies yeah. un- until the end. So he missed all the crap that I watched. <laughs> That's true. Like, I, That's I, made, true. I made a joke like, I'm like, no hillbilly elegy for Adrian. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You you definitely uh are like you're you're like the bulletproof vest for me <laughs> every year. <laughs> you're always like, "Okay, skip that one." Yeah, watch this one. Skip this one. And uh I definitely get to cut out all the bullshit every year, but yeah, it was e- even more so this year. Right on. Uh so what's going to happen next is we're going to jump into our top 10 episodes. <laughs> Task 20. Uh mm-hmm. We always say it's a top 10, but it's always 20. Uh, and we're for the first time ever, I think, uh, we're going to have Friends Live. Yeah. That's really weird. That's going to be cool. I'm I'm looking forward to it. Like, we, we've had people on the show at film festivals, but this is, like, real over-the-internet stuff. I don't know. It's it's This whole over-the-internet stuff still feels really strange to me. Mm-hmm. I don't... It, it, it's, it's cool, but, man, I miss that vibe. Oh, yeah. Like I think we have a pretty cool vibe when we're live. Like this is mm-hmm. this is fine, but I, I definitely miss that uh, that vibe. Oh, so big time! I guess we'll see what will happen when we add more people to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and just to reiterate to anybody listening, we're currently you know Bill's at his place, I'm at my place. We're recording online through a website called Zencaster. So we usually prefer to record together. Uh, but you know, due to the, the way the world is right now, we have to do it like this. And so, yeah, we're, we're missing a, a big aspect of the whole vibe. Like Bill said, the, the vibe of the show, like just being able to riff on each other and see each other's expressions and all, all the, all the good stuff, you know? And, oh, and, um, and just to point out that that program we use, uh, Zencaster is free. Right. And it seems to be pretty cool. So yeah. if you want to do podcasts over the internet, use Zencaster. Yeah. They're not they're not paying us to say that, but it seems pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, I like it a lot. And you you can do cool stuff like this. Oh my god. <laughs> it's got a soundboard. <laughs> yeah. Took you that long. I'm shocked. Yeah, I was like, yeah, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait a little bit. <laughs> Oh, the big show is going to be terrible. It's just be Adrian just riffing on us. Oh, totally. Yeah. The, the the zings the all all the bad all the bad uh little soundboard stuff you should like load it up for with like eddie murphy jokes from eddie murphy delirious or something oh like yeah that. oh yeah Let, let's piss some people off while we're at it <laughs> <laughs> we've never done that before have we oh never happened no. never ever <laughs> choir people man choir people hell yeah uh, dude okay well uh i guess we'll say arriva dirty for now and through the magic of adrian's cutting uh we will be on the big show next hell yeah yeah and uh thanks again to our friends who said they'll join us for this so we appreciate you and we love you dearly definitely all right, so it's time for the main event. And uh, like we mentioned earlier, we brought in a couple of guests. I'm going to pass it over to my co-host, Bill, to introduce our guest. Thank you, Adrian. 
to the left of me, virtually, from uh, QuietEarth.us and ATCPod.ca, the queen of podcasting, Marina Antunes. Thank you, thank you. Thank you for having me on the show. I appreciate the invite. And from the Movie Bears podcast, Will Lindis. Oh, Bill, Adrian, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Excellent, excellent. Dude, I am so happy you guys are here, and uh, I don't know what the show is going to be like because I'm feeling a little off, but... uh, you guys are going to carry us, right? No. <laughs> we're, we're taking the hard stance against carries here. Uh, uh, no. <laughs> this is going to be good. It's going to be fun. All right, cool. Now, we'll, I'm sure we'll be right, right back into it in a one minute. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we've we've already been chatting for about 10, 15 minutes, and we probably should have been recording all that stuff. Totally. But, it was uh, all gold. You guys missed out. <laughs> you missed out on the real show. So, so yeah. I guess we should tell people the format of our show so we're going to count down our, our top 10 each we're each going to go uh starting at number 10 if we have any overlap uh so you know if i say x movie is my 10th favorite of 2020 and if any of our other folks here have that listed as their you know in, in their top 10 they'll say they'll jump in and say hey that's also on my list maybe we won't reveal what number leave a little bit of suspense there and then when it comes time to wherever that was on their list, they'll be like, okay, and we talked about X movie a few minutes ago. It's my number six movie. And we'll just kind of go around the circle that way. And then uh, we're also going to talk about our movies that didn't quite make top 10, uh, movies ranked 11 through 20. And we'll talk about some other fun categories. So just right off the top, for a year that supposedly had a lot of movies canceled, this was a really hard list to make. Like, what the hell? I agree. I mean, I, I actually think for me, it, it wasn't even like the lists are always hard to make. What got me this year is that I didn't watch a lot of bad shit. Like I had way more selection. Like I had a really easy time making, okay, I shouldn't say easy. It was relatively simple to kind of narrow down the list to movies that I really, really liked because there were so many great ones. But to do like the bottom like, I honestly had a hard time finding one movie that I really, really, really... Uh, one of the nice things about this year, and there weren't a lot of nice things about this last year, uh, but one of the nice things about it from the film perspective is that I, I found just as many movies that I absolutely loved and adored as I find in other years. This was a very good year for movies, but there were a lot less of the major blockbusters sort of like drowning mm-hmm. everything out. So I feel like a lot of films that might have been a me and three of my friends uh, uh, watch uh, and maybe a couple people on film Twitter um, actually started to get some legs. And I really appreciated seeing that. I agree a hundred percent. Like when I was making my list, I had a really tough time uh, putting things together. And there were ones where I was like, Oh, it's it's not going to make it. That's brutal. (laughs) So (laughs) despite uh, fast and furious getting uh, delayed again, it was still a great year in movies. (laughs) Family. 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 (laughs) Guys, unless there's Tokyo Drift involved, I want no discussions about Fast. Oh, yeah, that... That, yeah, dude's, that dude's back now, though. I know. I don't know how they've done it, but I don't care. I will take it. <laughs> ah. Okay, so here's what I usually do. I'm that guy. I'm going to jump in here. Does everybody remember the last year's number one? Uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I do. Okay. Okay. Well, I'll start with you first, Will. What was your number one film of last year? Parasite. Correct. Oh, thank you. That was my number one as well. Fuck, I should have done Adrian first. <laughs> yeah, it probably was mine too, but I honestly don't remember. I went through a podcast this morning and listened to your your answer, Marina. So what's your number one? I don't remember. You don't? No. Ad Astra. Oh, nice. okay. Makes sense. 
And my number one was Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh, shit. It was that year. Yeah, it was that, that year. That feels like years ago. It does that's feel crazy. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's why I'm like, really? Like, that was not. Oh, yeah. Okay. Makes it was sense. just last year. Oh, my God. Yeah. it's It's been less than 12 months since the people that we just talked about won Oscars for these films, which is ridiculous to think about. It, it feels like it was years and years and years ago now oh yeah it feels like a lifetime ago at this point man that that, that whole thing's so much cooler when adrian just forgets everything and he's just like uh. <laughs> i'm like uh fury road uh, yeah. know. <laughs> uh you know what if you said that was your favorite film of last year i would totally like be okay with that because anyone that you know has the balls to just put that on their list every single year hats off to you it's a good film I- I didn't know that was an option. What the fuck? <laughs> so yeah, Twin, uh, Twin Peaks The Return is my number one film for the fourth year in a row. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that that whole segment would have been cool if Will hadn't got it five seconds into it and ruined it. Oh, that's fine. That's fine. Yeah. You know, if you asked me almost any other year, I would have struggled more. But I think Parasite was like such a special one for me. Like it's it and Moonlight were probably my one and two of like, probably the last decade sweet all right cool onto the list onto the list yeah uh marina do you want to get things started off for us at number 10 sure let's throw some fire here um, Hell yeah! my number 10 is antebellum oh my god <laughs> fuck you <laughs> okay. i'm that person that really 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 liked antebellum i didn't see it coming i don't know if maybe i was like movie blind but I didn't see it coming. I thought it was really well made. I thought that the, uh, I guess the twist, because it is, uh, was really well handled. And I've seen it two or three times since, and I really like it. I, it plays really well on repeat viewings. And Janelle Monet is amazing. She is, gives like a top-notch performance. I, I really, really, really don't understand the hate for this movie. I honestly don't. I have like a total blind spot. Why am I shaking right now? I don't know. Why am I shaking? I don't know why. Is it on your list? It almost made my bottom three. Oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this could be the show. I'm just I'm <laughs> popcorn. This is this is this is this is great. I fucking oh, hated that movie. Oh, see, like you're gonna have to explain it to me because I don't understand the hate for this movie. All I right. really, really don't. Off camera I will I will explain. <laughs> we don't have a, a, a ten minute segment here, but uh yeah, it's awful. The the the, the twist, fuck. No, Janelle oh. is terrible. Uh, she's great at singing. Uh, oh, come on. <laughs> Take it back. You're going to tell me that you weren't impressed by that opening scene. No. Oh, dude. We, no. did, we clearly did not watch the same movie. Yeah, you watched the director's cut. I don't know. I watched whatever was on Amazon, so maybe. I don't know, man. Oh, not not my not my. That's cool. That's cool. That's cool. I, I'll, <laughs> I'll say for me, I was I I wasn't high on Antebellum myself, but I will say that I, I think that this movie proved to me at least that like Janelle Monae is an absolute star. Like I don't. This wasn't the movie for me for her, but this did like put a little asterisk next to her name. Like I need to see her in more stuff because I think she really shined here uh given what she was working with so i i i i agree that i didn't like it as much bill but i will i will counter on the janelle monet point i liked her in this holy fuck i'm remembering more uh <laughs> gabby sibide gabby sibide shut the fuck up there we go yeah damn yeah i hated that movie i i 
I'm shaking right now. Are, are this you, is a great start. I think the more we talk about it, the more uh, likely it is it shows up in your bottom three at the end of this. Probably. Where's my pen? Where's my pen? <laughs> and this was the day Marina stopped responding to Bill's text messages. <laughs> No, it'll take more than a disagreement over a movie for that to happen. But yes, that that's true. that's my number 10, Antebellum. Hell yeah. I didn't see it, so I can't really chime in, unfortunately. I, I was on Marina's podcast defending the honor of Under the Silver Lake against like all odds. And I thought that was the one that was going to kill our friendship. But uh, <laughs> yeah, no. Just joking. <laughs> right uh, on. Next. All right. Moving on. Uh, Will, do you want to talk about your number 10? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so my number 10, and gosh, it was really hard to figure out exactly where the cut between uh, number 10 and the honorable mentions are, but I'm going to go with my gut here. Uh, my number 10 is One Night in Miami. Uh, nice. This was a film uh, directed by Regina King, which I believe is her, uh, she's directed television before and of course starred in a lot of great things but i think this is her feature film debut and she absolutely nails it this is the story of uh it's uh cassius clay you know muhammad ali uh, malcolm x sam cook and jim brown all to get together on one night in miami uh to talk about their careers and everything that's led up to those that point in their lives uh to that moment and everything that would probably come afterwards the civil rights movement just everything that was happening uh it definitely plays like a um a little stagey like you know this would be like a, a great like stage play uh but i don't think that's a knock against it for me i think it really captures just how captivating if if you get a good story and good people in a room um you know good actors in a room uh just acting the hell out of their roles uh, you can make something as simple as a couple of people standing around a hotel room bed like arguing about something one of the most captivating pieces of film of the year so i loved one night it's on my honorable mentions list. I also am a huge fan of this movie. I think Regina King is like tops. And I, I love how this feels like you say you will. It's it, it, it like it breathes, like it has this breath and this energy that you wouldn't expect from a movie that's largely unfolding in one room. Um, it's just it, it speaks to the power of the material and the acting and Regina King, King's direction. I, I I loved it. I thought it was wonderful. And we can't forget how great Sam Cooke was. Oh my gosh, yes, Leslie Odom Jr. We've seen him uh, very recently. If you know, if you watched Hamilton eight times, uh, like I I did, um. You know, you you might be a Leslie Odom Jr. stan. I definitely am. And he um, absolutely kills it here, Sam Cooke. But the entire cast does. All four of those leads, like, I keep going back and forth in my brain in terms of, like, which one of them most embodied their character or which one of them most... Um, uh, stole the show for me and uh it's it's all of them all of them equally uh and i think that's the the proof of regina's um uh, direction and the the proof that how good these actors work it's sort of pulling together as an ensemble instead of trying to pull away from each other and then then you try to make okay who's the best actor mm. who's the best supporting actor yeah it's tough yeah like, like all of them all of them yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but 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 they won't get nominated if there's if there's four of them so you got uh, it's tough you got to yeah play the politic game in terms of like where it goes uh statue you know statue time yeah pretty much yeah so that uh that's in my top 20 not quite my top 10 but it's it's in there and, it did uh, make I, my I top 20 i and it killed me wow okay. yeah I, good year man it was a good year good year. Yeah. <laughs> okay uh i'll go next uh my number 10 baby teeth which i just watched 
a few hours ago <laughs> and uh it it just absolutely rocked my soul and uh i I've, i don't know if it's 2020 in particular but it felt like there's a lot of movies about mortality and like reflecting on life and looking forward to the future and looking to the past and just there's something about that i don't know if it was just a theme of me watching all of these movies within the last like six weeks uh but it really made me reflect and just really appreciate the moments we have um with our loved ones it's, it's an absolutely stunning movie and uh, uh the the four lead characters are just the, their performances are outstanding it just moved me like it was a solid like three cat cry <laughs> so nice. really really enjoy baby teeth it just and, and it's one I'd, I'd love to watch with with loved ones one day so and the the, the younger guy who starts out as like totally punchable becomes this incredible character who you're like rooting for and it it completely flipped my idea of the film i i i love the film too uh and yeah everybody's great including the great ben mendelson oh yeah yeah but yeah good film did, did you did you see that on ehrlich's list or did somebody tell you about that i saw it on ehrlich's list and that's what I added it to my Netflix list. So I was like, okay, I gotta, I gotta check that out. And I was like, I've been on a Ben Mendelsohn kick lately. So it's like, I gotta check it out for my guy. So, and uh, it didn't disappoint at all. It just destroyed me in the best way. Yeah. It doesn't disappoint at all. Um, Eliza Scanlon. Yeah. Eliza Scanlon in that is, is so great. Uh, This one did not end up making my list, but it's one of those ones that I kind of wish had again, if, if, if I if I could bend like the way math works and fit like thirty movies into my top ten, um, then we'd be t- I'd be talking about Baby Teeth more. And I'm glad you did because I've not seen it on enough lists, Adrian. So thank you for celebrating it. Cool, Bill. Are you ready for your number ten? Yeah, time for some definitive shit. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Uh, my number ten is uh, She Dies Tomorrow from Amy Simet. Uh, what would happen if you went to a dinner party? And somebody just said, I think I'm going to die tomorrow. And then all of a sudden, you start feeling it. Wow, cool idea. It's like COVID, but verbal. Uh, I, uh, it's an incredible film. It shot like a weird acid trip. And uh, uh, people have complained that nothing is really explained. But I'm really cool with that. I don't have to have everything explained to me. And this is that film. Uh, you, you take away from what you, you think you're going to get from it. And I just loved it. And uh, Caitlin Shell for everything. She's amazing. And uh, yeah, the first movie of definitiveness. <laughs> she dies tomorrow. Number 10. Oh, I love it. So, someone will have to remind me to edit that part out. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, not, it's not my fault you can't take it, man. It's just, it's just the way it is. Too much truth. Too much truth. I know. I, I can't wait till next week when people hear the show and they're like, God damn, Bill. Once again, <laughs> he's fucking incredible. Knowledge bomb after knowledge bomb. <laughs> Oh, you guys. <laughs> True. Okay, so we're we're on to number nine. Marina, what's your number nine? I'm afraid to share. I don't even know if this is I don't know. We'll see. My number nine is Possessor. Cool. <laughs> right on. <laughs> Uh, so I thought this this was a huge step up for Ben and Cronenberg. I thought his first film, Antiviral, was interesting, had a, a very unique visual style that's quite different than his father's, which is great to see, um, but still playing in that kind of wheelhouse. And I thought that Possessor was a huge, huge leap forward. It, it feels like very much he's found his own voice. It's a really fascinating mix of ideas, uh, and the, the visuals are stunning. Stunning. I just I love the look of this movie and it just kind of like washes over you. It's this amazing visual and soundscape. And um, 
I must admit, I have a real soft spot for Christopher Abbott. I think he's fantastic. He's not in enough stuff. So I tend to gravitate to movies that he's in. So I'm really, really, I was really like keen to see this anyways. And it didn't disappoint. I love this movie. My number nine. I have a super weird soft spot for this movie because, um, you know, of course, this last year, you, you just can't go and see movies the way that you could for very obvious reasons. And, uh, you know, I haven't been inside of a movie theater since March. That sucks. That sucks for someone who used to go a lot. But um, there is a drive in here in Austin where I'm at. And it's uh, on top like it's downtown uh, on top of like a like fifth floor parking garage, like surrounded by like uh, high rises on all sides, like a really cool vibe. And uh, I went and saw Possessor there, uh, which is a weird place to see like that movie as a drive in uh, downtown. But uh, it was the first time uh, that I've had a chance to see a movie outside of my house in months before then. Uh, so I love the movie, but I also, I think I'll always have a special soft spot because uh, it got me out of the house. I can't imagine anybody watching from their window going, what the hell is going on with this movie? Legit, there were high rises on either side of me with like apartment, like balconies facing outward. And uh, yeah, yeah, someone had to have looked out and seen some of that. And I, I, I can't imagine what they were thinking. And that's a really violent film. Yes. Right on. Uh, who's next? I, I've already lost my, my, my oh, train of thought. I think it's Will. <laughs> It's Will. It's yeah, me. Will. Number nine. My number nine. Uh, I definitely had a, a soft spot this year for films that were um, smaller films in that films that were like really uh, narrow in focus, uh, but had larger implications. And one of those films for me was The Assistant, uh, written and directed by Kitty Green. Um, this film just follows a, a, a woman. Uh, character's name is Jane, uh, played by Julia Garner here. Um, and it follows her day in the life as assistant to this very like high power, like, um, like film executive. Um, so throughout her course of her routine each, uh, throughout the day, um, different people are, um, taking advantage of her in the way that you do someone that's like beneath you in station. And then of course there's the, 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 the even more, um, disturbing implications of what it's like to be, a, a woman who, is working in an industry where there are uh, such such disparity in power uh, and some of the things that come along with that. Um, the assistant is very, very powerful without ever being maudlin or melodramatic. Uh, and I think that it serves as a very, uh, very important wake up call to uh, just a lot of the things that are going on. Um, but on top of all that, it's just a damn good movie. Like watching someone running around making copies and bringing coffee shouldn't be ridiculously compelling, but it was here. So the assistant was my number nine pick. What a solid, solid choice. This movie made me so uncomfortable watching it because the entire time I was like, I totally remember I've worked in offices my entire working career. And it it's just the, the things that you notice when you're watching it outside, like removed and you're like, I did like all of this happened to me. I can't believe it. I actually lived through all of this shit. It, it's it it made me supremely uncomfortable and really made me rethink uh, a lot of the stuff that happened in my life leading up to where I am today. It, it's quite something. Oh my goodness! I, I mean, and that's that's the thing is like I, I come from the position of like privilege or like in that like I can sit here and say like I can't even imagine what that's like. But um, there are a lot of people, you know, as as you've 
attested to who can't imagine because this is what real life is for a lot of people. And that's, I think that makes it even more disturbing. It's later on my list, but not a knock on the film. Yeah, the same here. And um, I'm glad we have Marina here to talk about it because like my, my experience in the office is far different. I think it's because I'm, you know, male and pretty big guy. So I think people are probably less likely to try to bully me around, even though it does happen, but pro- not definitely not to this extent. I think, um, but I think a lot of it, it's the, it's the microaggressions that you don't even think about just little things like, you know, there's two people sitting at a desk and they both do the same job, but you ask the woman to go and get the coffee, like shit like that oh, yeah. happens all the time. And people don't even think about it. Um, and it's little things like that, that I didn't even think about when I was, you know, working in those jobs, but you look at it removed and through the lens of this young woman and you think, Jesus, the shit that we all endure on a day-to-day basis is ridiculous. And this happens in offices that are both, you know, male-led and female-led. It's just, it's those little micro things that start to add up at the end of the day and you don't even notice it. You don't even notice it, which is the saddest part. And the timing of this movie, it's, it's almost perfect mm-hmm. or imperfect timing with uh the current climate and things that we're discovering in hollywood and uh yeah i i, I had a physical reaction to this movie i actually felt quite sick the next day and uh i i'm 100 positive it was because of this movie but i think that's the just the power of film you know it can it can move us in all different directions good and bad and uh i i think that's a reflection of of how great this film is so that was will's number nine yes yes it was okay uh i'm next with my number nine uh dick johnson is dead director kirsten johnson um she first arrived on my radar with camera person from that was like five or six years ago or something like that um what an incredible film what a beautiful celebration of life and again, keeping with the theme of mortality and thinking about the past, present, and future, um, this is just really beautiful. It was amazing to watch her interact with her father and just realize how she's losing him in so many different ways in terms of him losing his short-term memory and his long-term memory and just basic human functions. It was, uh, I, I thought it was a really bold movie to make and uh it must have been incredibly hard to make it obviously and just the reactions we saw from family and friends as they were making the movie that just it it rocked me in a big big way i was like shaking on the couch crying watching this movie uh I, i absolutely adore it and can't wait to see what johnson does next did you just watch antebellum oh <laughs> no i didn't do that okay <laughs> snap still still shaking um no it, the movie really works for me because dick johnson is like one of the most incredible human beings he's so nice and you want everything to be nice for him and everything to work out and for nothing to happen to him and then stuff starts to happen and it breaks your freaking heart it's later on my list incredible film though yeah this one hit my um honorable mentions uh which is again a testament to just like how strong this year was uh this was the film that i probably had the most um intense ugly cry to this year uh and part of that is i have a i have a personal like soft spot for like explorations and musings and ponderings on uh mortality you know things like you know like all that jazz uh also absolutely wrecked me in in a very similar way to uh, how this 
this movie wrecks me. Um, but I, it all comes tr- through um, even more poignantly because it's not just uh, an ex like a an exploration of you know what it is to die, but um, it's also an exploration of kind of like what it is to live with um, the knowledge of that mortality, and that's um, so incredibly powerful. It's something that we all have to cope with, but I think Kirsten Johnson captures so beautifully here. Yeah, for sure. So number nine, Dick Johnson is dead. Uh, Bill, your number nine. Boom, more greatness. Number nine, The Vast of Night, directed by Andrew Patterson. This movie costs $700,000 to make, and it's like the coolest Twilight Zone episode of a movie I've seen in a very long time. Um, I, I used to watch Twilight Zone all the time when I was a kid with my grandparents, and I I sort of just love these kind of, like I loved Richard Kelly's The Box, another movie that sort of like this. Um, story of a uh, it's a really busy night in a small town where a basketball game is happening, and everybody is at the game except for a couple people who weirdly hear this sound coming through radio waves, and uh, they explore what the rest of like the rest of the movie is them exploring what happens. I'm not going to ruin it. Uh, it's really incredible. It's super small. Nobody's really talking about it. It's on Amazon. Check it out. It's great. Uh, yeah, number nine, The Vast of Night. And shout out to Fantastic Fest on that one. Uh, they uh, programmed that one and uh, uh, put it on uh, at least my radar. Um, and so, yeah, thank you for celebrating it. Sweet. I'm also a big fan of this movie. I think it looks fantastic. It The, the sound design on this movie is also really good. And come on, it's about aliens. Of course, I've watched it. it <laughs> yeah, It also has the best score of the year. Yeah, I, I I could fully get behind that. It's it's been a year that hasn't had a lot of really memorable scores, but this one is definitely up there. It also has a like four minute tracking shot that blew my skull apart. And you know what's nice about that tracking shot too is that it was both at the same time um, unnecessary. Like you could have made just as good of a movie without doing that um, sort of like stunt shot. But watching it there, it really does give you a good sense of the layout of everything, which becomes important to some like the time crunch thing that happened a little later on in the movie. Um, so it's it's both a flex and also it has like very literal like narrative payoff later on. That's it's such a smart move. Yeah, great film. I love that movie. I, I just watched that too. I hadn't seen it. I watched it like last week. Oh and wow! I I, I I just missed it for some reason, and yeah, it blew me away. Nice. Okay, so it's on my to watch list. So I I sadly can't contribute. Adrian uh, watched a hundred movies in two weeks. That's, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's that's freaking impressive. <laughs> um we're on to number eight marina do you want to start us off with number eight sure my number eight is more in line with the uh the usual top tens <laughs> um kelly reichert's uh, first cow which is just uh the loveliest of movies um and just beautiful I, I love friendship stories and this one is just right up there it's just such a lovely lovely film and the fact that the whole thing surrounds not even the stealing of the cow but the stealing of the milk from the cow just like that little thing is just so human i don't know i just love this movie it's wonderful 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 can't say enough good things about it yeah you're definitely going to be uh seeing this one show up uh, much later on my list uh but talking about it now uh, i i echo everything that you say there um this is a very gentle movie in the way that it's presented but it's one of those gentle movies that actually has stakes and teeth despite being sort of gentle in its presentation and that's a hard uh type wrote for a filmmaker to walk but i also appreciate it so much that uh as you mentioned this is a, a film about friendship right and i think that a lot of times when we look at 
kind of like male friendships, uh, the way they're presented in films. Um, there's like a, a good majority of them. There's like a sort of like that toxic masculinity, like just that toxicity that kind of like um, seeps into either the way they interact with one another, the way they interact with the people outside of their circle or the way they interact with their surroundings. And this was mostly devoid of those uh, trappings. And I appreciated that a whole hell of a lot. Excellent, excellent point. You're so right. There's just a gentleness to the whole thing, which you don't see very often in film. Is there a greater scene of the, in the year of uh, the guy just talking to the cow? No. <laughs> So That's lovely. It. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. So lovely. Uh, this, uh, it's later on my list. Uh, and yeah, if if you if you hear the, the, the name Kelly Reichardt and freak out because her movies are usually pretty, you know, hard to get into. This is her, her easiest film to get into. And do not be afraid of it. It is incredible. Seek it out. Yeah, th- this is also on my list. And uh, boy, one of the first things I said to Sarah after we watched it, I was like, I can't believe I just watched a movie and I was like crying while a guy was milking a cow. Like, that's <laughs> incredible. <laughs> uh, I absolutely adore this movie and feel the exact same way about just the, the, the delicate approach to friendship and just finding the beauty in that and finding the beauty in their circumstances. And it was just a stunning film to watch too. Like everything was framed perfectly. The the set was incredible. The costumes, it, it all just felt so real. And uh, the aspect ratio, I'm not sure what the aspect ratio is, but that was really cool. I, I really enjoyed that about the movie. So yeah, lots of love. First cow. Uh, Will, what is your number eight? Yeah, so for my number eight, uh, I'm definitely developing sort of a theme with my list, and it was not intentional. Um, But my number eight is Never, Rarely, Sometimes, Always, uh, written and directed by Eliza Hittman. Um, This story follows, um, so this this girl, she's a a teenager, she uh, ends up um, pregnant, and she needs to get some uh, medical help for that. She needs to know what her options are and, you know, consider, you know, do I want to have an abortion? How do I handle this? What do I even do? And she lives in this rural uh, Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania town. And um, the options there are not, uh, she doesn't really have options. Um, Everything is very like closed off and you have to travel here and wait there. So she and her friend go to New York City um, to sort of figure out what they can do. Um, This is uh, another one of those films that um, it, it, it doesn't have to really delve into to like very maudlin, like heavy strings or heavy moments along those lines to show just like uh, how impactful this moment is uh, for, for the main character here. Um, it doesn't have to just like hit us with the drama super hard because this story lets itself unfold in such a way that we can see that not only is this very real for these characters, but it's very real for a lot of girls. Unfortunately, here, you know, here in the U.S., we have a lot of uh, things like uh, um, trap laws, things like that, that um, limit uh, options, um, you know, to medical facilities. More and more um, such facilities are closing uh, left and right very intentionally to um, limit these medical options for uh, for not just teen girls, but for, for, for all women who need these services. Uh, and, and again, not to say that this is a PSA for like, you know, like for Planned Parenthood or for or medical options along those lines, but um, this is a damn good movie in and of itself. Uh, but it's, I think just especially timely given, um, I mean, just the state of where we're at in the States right now. 
There's um, an ama- the amazing scene towards the end of the film where the movie gets its title, which broke my heart in a way that I haven't cried in a long time. It's it's so powerful, just the emotions that you get from those simple questions. Um, it's higher on my list. It, it's a really, like you say, well, it's, it's not just a beautiful film. It's a really important film that gets some really, really hard, uh, hard things that we don't talk about enough. I, I also want to mention that in in a similar in, in, in sharing a theme in a very very different way unpregnant is also a movie that deals with abortion and it takes the other road it goes down the comedy route in a way that's really unexpected um and which i also found really interesting as far as an approach um and i wouldn't write it off as this little movie that happens to be a comedy because it's dealing with the same subject matter it's just dealing with it in a very different way i find i found that those two films are surprisingly great companions like you watch this you feel the emotion and the power of it and then you watch unpregnant which covers the same exact material in a very different way but still has that emotional punch i think they work really well together so yeah they're they're both higher on my list i kind of paired them together Oh my gosh, I I haven't seen uh, that one. So um, that is probably the fact that it pairs with a movie that's literally in my top 10. um, I think I I couldn't think of a more glowing endorsement. So that is uh, just skyrocketed to the top of my watch list. It's 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 totally different. I'm warning you now, like it's a completely different take on the material. It's basically like a buddy comedy trip as this girl is trying to get an abortion. But the way that it covers the very similar material is it's it's amazing to watch them together and just kind of see the. I think it it, it, they they add to each other in that it, it just shows you the vastness of the experiences that women have with pregnancy and i think that they just play really well together thematically that's got uh hayley hayley lee richardson in it and barbie ferrara Ferrara. yeah yeah i saw that movie that was good it was was one of the first hbo max movies that's right yeah that's right Okay. Uh, yeah, this movie's also on my list, but later. And uh, yeah, you were talking about the the scene where the movie gets its title from. Uh, just she holds that camera there for just a long time, and it gets really amazing. the The assistant did that really well too. Just held the camera and made you just feel it, and mm, uh, felt yeah. so incredible. Uh, and they're both first time actresses. That's incredible. Uh, hopefully, they get some sort of recognition with uh, Oscars. And yeah, it's later on my list. It's really damn good. Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah, that's it's also uh, higher on my list. Uh, echoing everything all of you just said, like the that particular scene Marina mentioned, and just the, the comfort that they bring each other uh, under extreme circumstances really touched my heart and soul. And um, their performances, I was blown away with the amount they did with like, it, it, one of the terms out there is like the economy of movement they have out there. Um, like, you know, to, to understand what they're feeling, they don't shout or scream or, or raise their voices or cry like a lot or something. It's just, it's very quiet and very, you know, and she, when uh, the lead, uh, Sydney, Sydney Flanagan, breaks down in that moment you just you know what's happening you know what she's going through and uh, you can read between the lines for what's happened to her in the past and stuff and it's just uh it's it's incredible uh i saw it a couple times and just it, it blew me away even more on a, on a second viewing so uh yeah very very high on my list the opening song is incredible too oh yeah oh so good okay so that was will's number eight mm-hmm. okay 
On to my number eight, uh, Beastie Boys story, uh, Spike Jones documentary. Um, I had a blast with this one. I, I think all of us here are probably Beastie Boys fans. So um, yeah, it was just a good hang and learning stories. Uh, that I wasn't familiar with. I just I had an absolute blast watching it. And it, it was a big softball for me, like, you know, growing up, loving the Beastie Boys and seeing their the way they progressed, because, you know, when they first started out, they were punks and disrespected women and stuff like that. And then they started to mature and um, their music matured and almost feels like they they helped raise me in a, in a kind of way. So real big soft spot for me. I, I had a a really fun time watching this one and was deeply moved to hear stories that I've, I've never heard before. So yeah, Beastie Boys story is my number eight. I think, I think you nailed it. I, I love that this is kind of like you said it, it's a hang movie. Like you just, you feel like you're hanging out with these people for an extended period of time. And I actually wish more artists would do something like this, where they kind of have a retrospective of their careers and where they started and where they've ended up. Because especially when you've been in the industry for that extended period of time, and you've grown up making whatever it is you're making, making either music or movies or whatever it is, you, you're going to change. You're going to grow. You're going to become an adult. You're going to have, and that all reflects on your art. And it, it's, I always, I, I love hearing artists talk about those changes. Um, one of my favorite podcasts is Mark Marin. for that reason. He really gets at like the, 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 the changes in people and really at the deep, deep hidden parts of humanity. And I, I, I think that this has handle that in such a an entertaining fashion um yeah it didn't make my list sadly but i really really thoroughly enjoyed it it's it's great there's like way too many music documentaries which are just sort of like in the vh1 behind the music sort of mold mm -hmm. of um talking heads talking about this is how things were when we were little then things got big and that's when things changed. And there's sort of like a tempo and a rhythm to them. And some of the stories are compelling enough by themselves that you can sort of make that work. But I love that this was a hang movie. This was the artists themselves telling the story. It was always fun. It never felt like it was just talking heads telling me about this, this important band. It was the band members themselves saying, yeah, it was a wild ride. Let's look back at it. And uh, yeah, I, I appreciated the presentation of this so, so much. Interesting that the Go-Go's documentary had a very similar feel where it was kind of like a hangout with the Go-Go's. I, I really enjoyed that one as well for the same reason. It, it, it felt very like just off the cuff and, and real in a way that a lot of them don't. Big shout out to the Bee Gees documentary if you haven't watched it yet uh that also like was incredible but it's not on my list uh this one is later on my list but um yeah not a knock on the film uh shout out to spike jones for you know taking time out from making oscar winning films to shoot a, a documentary about his boys right like yeah. that's so so incredible i wish i had a friend who was just like yeah i'm an oscar winner i'm we're gonna go shoot a film on on stage let's go hey I, I, <laughs> let's make an oath right now if any of the four of us ever wins an oscar we'll come back and do something for the other three sounds good done. yeah done. Done. that's the easiest promise i'll ever have to make yeah pretty much <laughs> yeah we'll we'll make a documentary on what it's like to make podcasts or something like that. yeah <laughs> <laughs> okay bill we're on to your number eight so i'm hoping you guys have this on your list but i i'm i'm thinking maybe not i think will might have it later but uh my number eight is spontaneous uh I was in the middle of VIF and not having a very good time. I'd, I had been watching a lot of really bad films and I was super angry that 
my film year had been almost felt like it had been destroyed by this bad festival. I hate saying that, but I really didn't like VIF this year. And uh, all of a sudden, my my, 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 my friend Steve Stebbing told me there's you got to watch this film called Spontaneous. Like it's going to like change your life. And I'm just like, what are you talking about? I'm like I've never even heard of this film. He's like, yeah, Paramount shelved it for two years. It's starring Catherine Langford from 13 Reasons Why. And it's like really incredible. You got to watch it. It'll put a big smile on your face. And I'm just like, okay, cool. Sure. Whatever. And I watched it and it, it did. It changed my life during VIF. Like it, honestly, it's a film about high schoolers exploding. <laughs> I okay. watched this. I watched this because you, I think you texted me like, you've got to watch this movie. And I thought it was okay. Are you kidding me? Yeah. I don't oh. know. I thought it was uh, fine. Marina, you're letting me down, but you let me down. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's uh it, it feels like it's it, one minute makes you smile and the next minute makes you like com- just completely kicks your ass with like incredible scenes and it has the scene of the year. I'm not going to blow it, but uh it's incredible. Uh this film should have been in the theater 2 years ago and it probably would have done really well cuz she was super hot after that show. Mm-hmm. It should have been a big hit. She should be a movie star because this movie just is that film. Uh, it's incredible. Spontaneous is on VOD, not on Blu-ray, not on Blu-ray. I, th- I, I think this would have killed if it landed on Netflix. Yeah, it killed. Totally would have. Yeah, it, it was just it was just botched. Yeah, to, for sure. It, it, it's one of the. I, I don't get a chance to rewatch a lot of films. Like when you're sort of in, um, kind of like the. I've got to track down everything, watch everything that I can um, mode. Um, repeat viewings don't often happen, but this is one of the few movies that I uh, revisited. It did not make my top 10. It is in my honorable mentions though. Um, it has uh, just incredibly um, uh, whippy, quick dialogue that doesn't feel cute though. Um, it feels very real. Um, the story is over the top, uh, but also um, has a very underlying message that is uh, remarkably timely. And again, I think especially so, uh, I think a lot of us were um, sort of fearing like what might happen the next day uh, over this last year. And this movie really like taps into that uh, in a very, very, very bold way. Uh, and there is a monologue that happens at a certain point in this movie that absolutely floored me. It was probably my second biggest ugly cry of the year, that one specific monologue. She uh, she, she popped? Yeah. Um, like a balloon? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, so, so good. Yeah, this movie's great. It it's lower on my list, uh, but again, that's just a reflection of the great year we had in 2020. Um, the way this movie can make you laugh and then cry like the next moment, it's that's something that's hard to do. And um, yeah, I had a hell of a time with Spontaneous. When you told when you pitched it to me, Bill, I was like, it's about teenagers exploding. It's like, oh, okay, <laughs> that's all you told me. I was like, I, I don't know what to expect, and. I'm sorry. Yeah. That's, that sounded oddly sexual. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I was, uh, I guess you could say I was blown away by this one. Oh, shit. <laughs> okay. So we're on to number seven. Uh, Marina, what's your number seven? Uh, my number seven is, is it the first? And Oh, it's the only documentary that made my top 10. Oh, sucky. Um, a Thousand Cuts, Ramona Diaz's documentary about um, Maria Reza, who is a journalist working in the Philippines and uh, fighting the good fight for democracy against um, an oppressive regime. It's a fascinating, fascinating documentary about really one woman's struggle to kind of keep um, misinformation out of the public eye, but 
kind of failing at every turn against uh, um, Rodrigo Duarte and his uh, cronies who are kind of keeping the people fed full of uh, misinformation. It's it's a fascinating and really sad documentary. Um, and it was really a, um, when I watched it, which was much earlier this year, it kind of felt like a very timely and very urgent warning to Americans about how bad things could get if you know, we don't pay attention to the media that we're consuming and how we're consuming it. Uh, so it's a it's a really, really, really good documentary. I highly, highly recommend it. Uh, so much so that I put it on my top 10. A Thousandth Cuts. I feel bad that I don't even know what this is. I feel bad. I usually know this. Why don't I know this? <laughs> I stomped you. What? Ooh, Mark I, this one down. Sorry. Uh, yeah, I... Uh, I apologize. I, I'm usually on this. Uh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, I need to watch this one. This one was uh, one of the victims of um, South by Southwest being canceled when it did. Uh, mm. It was part of their lineup. It was uh, it was on my to watch list. And then um, a week before South by Southwest happened that, you know, rightfully so, um, uh, ended up getting canceled. And a lot of uh, really solid films ended up being either pushed back to other festivals or just sort of being lost in the shuffle. And this, unfortunately, was one of those so um i will take this as a recommendation that i need to uh go track it down i would have loved to have seen shithouse on the big screen yes yes yeah, yeah. That, that was at south by wasn't it yeah it was yeah. it was on the it was on the roster it didn't it win south by it i think it got one of the jury awards but i i i don't remember yeah yeah south by didn't happen but they had awards they still did the jury awards just sort Love of like a, an email afterwards like by the way here here's the ones that won we we lost two million dollars here's our award winners all right um will right will number seven yeah my number seven is going to be sort of my oddball pick i think um when i look at the rest of my top 10 i think there are pretty easy cases to be made for those being on a few other lists but i guarantee i'm the only one who put the uh finish movie um dogs don't wear pants in their top 10 and uh um, but I, I will I will go to bat for it uh, all day every day. Um, so uh, this movie, like I said, it's it's a, it's a movie from Finland, and it's a story about this this guy. He um, he has a daughter who is uh, sort of like teenageish in age, um, and we find out uh, very early in the movie that he lost his uh, wife. She drowned. Uh, she drowned. Uh, and that, by the way, that the shot for that is just heartbreaking and beautiful. It's like it's pure cinema. Um, but now we're years later, and I think that uh, he. He feels like he's supposed to have moved on, but he can't. He's just emotionally numb. When he interacts with people, there's just a disconnect. Like he just can't get back on um, kind of the same page as, as life. And um, some circumstances come up and he ends up uh, finding this dominatrix named Mona uh, and sort of through their very uh, non-traditional uh, relationship, which uh, definitely involves her putting her craft uh, to work. He starts to, um, one, starts to experience feelings again, uh, but also, two, the two of them develop a relationship that is um, both revelatory for the two of them, but also uh, with boundary issues that they have to sort through and, and work their way through. Um, I think there is... <sighs> There's this thing that happens when you think about BDSM movies and you immediately go to like Fifty Shades of Grey, which no. Um, but there are amazing movies out there that really do explore that space in such a, 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 a a more compelling way, you know, secretary, uh, here, dogs don't wear pants. Um, 
Duke of Burgundy. I think this sort of like this movie kind of fits in um, that same family of films. Um, so it's on Shudder. Uh, Shudder picked it up and released it uh, January of this year. Uh, so if you have Shudder and you should have Shudder, Shudder's great. Uh, take a chance on Dogs Don't Wear Pants. It's a surprisingly solid film. I'm so glad you bring up Shudder because I love this subscription service. I, I It's one that I do not mind paying for because there's so much good stuff in here. Oh my God. Um, and this one is on my watch list. So I'm definitely going to have to move it up the list a bit because I keep going by it going, I should really watch that. But now I'm definitely going to pop this one up the next time I open up Shudder. Woohoo! My work here's done. I, I remember when you saw that at Fantastic Fest and it was at VIF and my schedule was super locked and I'm like, why the hell does Will have this so high? Oh shit, I have to change my schedule and I can't. Oh no. Because nothing will work out and I had to wait like a couple months to see it and it's yeah, totally good film, man. Well, super good recommendation. And yeah, big, big thumbs up to Shutter. They are truly doing uh, uh, the Lord's work in a lot of ways, like finding these uh, genre films and uh, that a lot of times play at a festival and then just get lost in distribution hell. Um, and Shutter is saying, no, um, here, you've got a place. And also you're our featured movie of the week. Mm -hmm. uh, they have one coming up called Slacks that I saw at Fantasia Fest. You guys are going to like that one. It's hilarious. All right. Yeah, yeah, here for it. Nice. Okay, that was Will's number seven. Uh, on to my number seven. My number seven, I suspect, will be higher on other people's lists. Uh, it's Minari. Um, absolutely beautiful, beautiful film. And one of the things that really captured me with this one is when we think about the American dream, we usually think of the default, you know, Caucasian family and two or three kids, a couple dogs, you know white picket fence, all that stuff. But we don't really think about um, the immigrants who who helped build the country, uh, not just America, but Canada as well, of course. But I, I thought it was really interesting to witness this family's journey and just be there every step of the way and care about every little detail that's going on and just rooting for them all the way through to the final frame and just uh, just being absolutely in love with each of these characters. It, it's a special, special film that uh, I think will stand the test of time. I don't cry a lot in movies. It's, I'm just not that type of person. It has to hit me in a very specific way. And this one totally did it for me. I think Bill saw me cry really badly once. Whistler. Whistler, Whistler. Whistler, Whistler. From, Whistler Film Festival after watching Lion. I had ugly cried through like that entire movie. And I was And this kind of left me the same way. Like I finished it. And then I turned around. And I'm like, mom, we need to watch this movie. And then we ugly cried, cried together through it. Because it just, there's a, it's a very... It's just, it's like, again, another movie that's just so tender and sweet and we're not like a whole lot happens, but it's everything that's kind of in the margins that's important and full like I, I'm so thrilled that Stephen Ewan is basically like using his star power to get these little movies and these little projects made because we need more of this. Like we need more stories about people that don't look like me. Um, and and I I think this is brilliant. It's just it's such a lovely tender family drama. Um, it's just beautiful and it's such a great movie about uh, marriage too, about relationships and the given 
and take and sort of the 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 highs and lows of relationships. You don't see that a lot in, in films either. And I, I I I just I love this movie. It's much higher on Yeah, this one is higher on my list as well. Um there is I, I, I love films that are able to explore what the American dream is from a lens that is not necessarily idealized but reflects uh real experiences and how those real experiences clash with that idealized version of the American dream. And this film very much captures that while also being just a very solid um, study of this family and the dynamics within it. A uh, big shout out to um, one of the great child performances of the year. Um, Alan S. Kim plays uh, David here uh, and he has to carry a lot of this film. I mean, the, 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 the adult cast in here is definitely there to make sure everything's moving along. And absolutely. Stephen Yen is just, so top notch but um there's a lot that we have to follow with Alan S. kim and he 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 does it he pulls off this great performance um i'd also strongly recommend i forget who did it but there's this interview that i think one of the morning shows did with uh um the cast of minari and um during the entire thing whenever they ask Alan S. question he does a little dab and it's just the cutest thing in the world so if you have a chance track it down he's just dabbing all the way through this interview cuter than his little cowboy boots <laughs> comparable at least but it's like it, it's so adorable uh and and the grandma come on yes oh, the grandma. Yeah. so so i remember all throughout the year i kept on thinking to myself will's had a really bad year for film festivals and all this stuff and i feel really bad for will because south by southwest got canceled fantastic fest canceled then all of a sudden will had seen minari before me and i was really pissed off <laughs> And I was like, he's like, I'm like, American festivals, I'm geolocked. I have no chance. And Will's like, I saw Minari. It's cool. I'm just like, (laughs) (laughs) I had this little stretch where uh, I was tracking, like, I I suddenly discovered, like, oh my gosh, yeah, virtual festivals. Some of them are not state geolocked, some of them are nationwide. So, uh, yeah, the um, Aspen International Film Festival played. minari and one night in miami uh and uh and then um the hamptons international film festival had nomad land so once i discovered all of these little ones it's like all right 10 bucks here 10 bucks here 10 bucks here. it wasn't bad like they're just the single yeah i paid like 10 12 bucks to watch this it was not bad um Dude, i no. paid 25 bucks to watch nomad land at tiff 10 bucks good deal mm-hmm. yeah definitely like the virtual film fest like the fact that everything got um closed this year sucked but um just being able to access virtual film festivals that i had some of which hadn't even heard of or some that i'd heard of but never had a chance to attend before um really gave me a chance to silver lining the 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 shittier parts of the year and, and just for the record i'm gonna be the guy that goes to hell here it's lower on my list i'm that guy oh okay yeah, I'm that guy. I'm sorry. You're that guy? That's okay. Huh. I'm that guy. All right. All right. Uh, that's okay. That's cool. That's, that's weird. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> it's a weird way to say higher, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's opposite day over here. Okay, okay. Um okay, Bill, your number seven. My number seven is uh Sound of Metal. Uh directed by Darius Mortar, uh featuring my favorite performance of the year, Riz Ahmed, who uh has been really great in a lot of stuff, including Star Wars. Um, but uh this is just another level. Uh Olivia Cook's bleached eyebrows, hot. Um it just I I love the whole idea of uh, sign language in a film being represented with sound too, 
uh if i saw i saw it was in the theater uh i don't uh, no, i don't think anybody else here did but it was the coolest theatrical experience i had the entire year and they just cranked the shit out of it and it was incredible um it's on amazon uh in any other year this would be like a way higher film this it's been a really good year and uh i recommend uh yeah checking that out if you haven't already seen it but i think you guys already have so uh yeah sound of metal it's actually my number six, so I'll jump right in. Sweet. Because <laughs> I'm with you, Bill. I, I really, really love this movie. I love the sound design in this movie. I sadly did not see it in a theater. I saw it at home. But um, Dan and I both really, really loved it. And it there's the... The, the character's journey is just something else. I, I, I don't know if uh, I've ever been that taken with like a personal journey in a film before, but something about it just really spoke to me. I think it's just a combination of the performance and the sound design. The sound design is just out of this world. I kind of feel like maybe I now understand what it might be like for people that can't hear um, but I, I don't know. It, it's it's just it's spectacular. It's so good. The, uh, the the opening like five minutes of the film is on YouTube, and I play it a lot. It's it's their band playing that one song. I kind of like that song a lot. Me too. <laughs> Me too. Like, I'm like that's really good. And they actually played that, and he's playing that drum really hard, and she is just banging that guitar really hard. It's awesome. It's hard. Yeah. Hard. Yeah. And to sort of keep the love train going, and also to you know because it lines up so perfectly. This was actually my number six as well. Uh, <laughs> so uh some synergy there um yeah uh no this is such a good movie um easily the best sound design of a film this year uh intentionally so i mean it has a very kind of in your face um sound design but uh it's effective in the way that it shows um what he's experiencing uh we spend so much time in his uh pov that it it makes sense for us to experience what he's experiencing as he experiences it um but this is a story about so much more as well i mean this is a story about someone having to come to grips with this profound change in his life while also knowing that this is a character who has experienced uh, um, traumas in the past, um, you know, having um, been through, um, you know, rehab and um, getting clean from uh, drug addiction um, before the first scene of the movie ever happened um, and having to deal with that compounded on top of uh, this this budding disability. Um, such a great movie. So well performed. Um, so well presented. Um, yeah, this is, I think, a, a slam dunk. Um, like if you want to like recommend a movie from any of our lists to like just kind of like the average person, I think there's very few people that could watch this movie and not uh, enjoy what they're watching agreed yeah else is your number six adrian <laughs> um my number six is sound of metal <laughs> <So>. <laughs> no no joke i was totally uh, joking <laughs> no no seriously I, I can show you my notes nice so good six 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 sound of metal yeah, um, right. yeah this <laughs> this absolutely blew me away like it I didn't know what to expect going in. Like I, I saw the trailer once and uh, yeah, I just, there's something really beautiful and really profound about th the way they put perspective onto things like a, a man and a boy playing on a slide uh, is going to be much different when both of them are deaf versus, you know, people who can hear. And uh, I, I guess it just, gave me, uh, like I said, perspective and gave me an appreciation for the ability to hear and uh, I thought it was a really beautiful way to just kind of show that journey and whether he's going to accept it or keep fighting against it. Um, 
I it, it was a beautiful journey to witness. And Ariz Ahmed is he's incredible. He, he he's great in everything I've seen him in. And um this was just one of those films that uh solidified my my love for this guy. And Darius Martyr, he um this may sound controversial, I don't know what the the rest of the room thinks of the place beyond the pines, but he uh he has a screenplay credit on that on that film. And uh I absolutely adore that film. So I was like, Darius Martyr, I know that name from somewhere, and went back. And that started my Ben Mendelsohn love fest recently. <laughs> so, um, yeah, Sound of Metal was my number six. Great stuff. So everybody's done their six, except for me. Okay. Back, yeah. Back to me. Uh, number six, uh, Kajillionaire, uh, Miranda July. Uh, her, I wasn't a big, uh, great first film, bad second film, great third film. Uh, the story of old Dolio and her weird-ass family as they go around pillaging mailboxes and doing weird shit and then it suddenly becomes a weird love story and this might be my biggest cry of the year the final scene of this film made me ball like a little child uh evan rachel wood is incredible in this film uh and i don't i hear nobody talking about this film at all and uh i hope it's on your guys's list somewhere hopefully maybe not okay cool uh yeah number six Kajillionaire. It's a good pick. It's a good pick. It didn't quite make my list. Uh, it was one of the ones that uh, got cut in the process, but um, it only got cut again because, as we've talked about, good year. Um, but uh, it does have my favorite just like moments like if i were to make a montage of like film moments from the year the shot of them doing that weird like limbo walk past the brick (laughs) wall to get past like the uh the 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 landlord guy you know that dude uh that's just such a good shot like you know it's like you build that shot and you can build a movie out around that shot it's such a good shot them cleaning up the pink foam. That's yeah. my favorite. That's oh my, my favorite. And that's the thing with this movie. Like, I, I don't think I get it. I don't know. Maybe I'm dense, but I, I could appreciate that it was doing something interesting and the performances are really good. But I just, I couldn't find my emotional center with it. But I love like bits and pieces of it, which I just think are hilarious. Like all these quirky bits totally work for me. But as a whole, the package just never quite captured unfortunately that's cool that's cool that's why my yeah. list, that's why my list is definitive <laughs> yeah it's yeah true. yeah <laughs> yeah this one i watched last night and uh didn't quite make my list it was one of my darlings that got cut in the uh, note-taking process uh, i absolutely adore the hell out of this film and her performance of that character old dolio like it's a, it's an incredible like physical performance like she's slouched over the whole time and got her hair over her face and just the way she moves i i was like deeply moved with uh her performance and uh yeah the the limbo walk they do i it it blew me away the way they did that i I was like that's a cool image like there was something about the way they framed this film and the way they moved in the frame it was it was really fun to watch and that name i don't know where did they even come up with that name (laughs) i think they refer to it in the film don't they don't they explain where where the name comes from they do i forget it though Oh, okay. Awesome name, though. I've never heard it before. Old Dolio. (laughs) Every time they say her name, I laugh. So that was your number six? 
Yeah. Well, we already talked about my number five, so this will be a quick one for me. Uh, never, rarely, sometimes, always. So, which we've already discussed. So, that's my number five. Hell yeah. Which I think is me for my number five, and mine is one we have not talked about yet, and it was uh, hands down for me my favorite animated film of the year. Um, it's Wolf Walkers. Um, I loved this uh, movie, and I actually got to see it. Uh, uh, twice, of course, you know, I have it on Apple TV and watch it then. But, you know, I mentioned uh, virtual uh, festivals and uh, may have caught it at uh, the Spark CGS Festival. So shout out to that. <laughs> uh, but no, uh, Wolfwalkers. Uh, so this is um, uh, this movie about um, this hunter uh, and her father they end up relocating to ireland because there's this wolf pack that's a problem so um they're dealing with that and the fact that the city which is encroaching on the land of the wolves is very much like hey hunter you got to go out and do this you got to stop this but um uh they um while they are um uh, doing that this the, the girl ends up meeting this just free spirit just like girl who's just like one with nature and one with the wolves uh, and um, is out lives out in the woods. And the two of them soon discover like sort of like the connection between uh, the girl, the wolves and uh, this movie kind of turns into that sort of exploration. That's always hard for me to tell how much to really give in the description of some of these movies. Right. Like, cause, uh, but uh, don't want to like spoil everything, but I really enjoyed this one. The animation is absolutely adorable. It's by the same studio that did, um, a uh, secret of uh, Kells. secret of Kells, uh, song of the sea, um, such a delight. Uh, but I think this one was really felt like an opus for me as part of that um, kind of the third part of that unofficial trilogy of film. Uh, there's some stuff with the animation here where we get to see the. Um, we get to see like the wolves running and the animation with sort of like the way that the hand-drawn um, uh, effect looks all throughout it is really good. But there's these like little traces of like yellow light going over everything and kind of tracing through and giving additional movement. It's just it's a beautiful watch. It's this is what this is what I look for when I look for animation. Something that tells a great story with wonderful characters with one. Wonderful music. Uh, they they use a, a song by Aurora, who's an artist who I absolutely love uh, very heavily within this film. Uh, and then, of course, just the animation style just brings it all home. I really love. This is higher on my list. I'm also a huge fan of this movie. I'm predisposed to this because I love Cartoon Saloon, and these guys always make amazing, amazing work. Um, and they're still one of the few studios, kind of like Ghibli, they're carrying the torch of the handheld, the hand drawn animation, which is not something that you see very often anymore um but uh, i just I, like you say I, I it's it just it's so different than anything else we're getting offered from uh animation studios all of their films have a very uh unique look and their storytelling is much different than you would expect uh from even like a disney or a pixar which usually put out these very um not adult but more um adult themed sometimes uh, films, but they just handle it in a very different way. And for me, this, this was kind of like the perfect bookend to that trilogy, that loose trilogy of, of Irish folklore tales that they've been putting out for the last number of years. And I'm both very thrilled and very sad that we may not see any more in this style for a while. Um, and I will say uh, if you're at all interested, I have to pimp spark. Um, we had some great, 
conversations with the director and uh, some presentations on the making of the film, which really get it like the storytelling and the style and the visual look of it. Um, and those are all on the Spark uh, YouTube channel. So you can check those out if you're at all interested in the artistry of the making of the movie. But it's it's a personal favorite and it's higher on my list. It's also higher on my list. And I remember when uh, Marina and I both saw this at TIFF and I remember Marina texted me. She saw it before me and she's like, the smile hasn't left my face yet. And I was like, oh, God damn. Okay, cool. I watched it the next day and it was incredible. And so happy that um, that Spark got to get it. Just just. Because Will got to watch it at Spark. I did, yeah. That's so incredible. Uh, But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's, uh, the best animated film of the year. And I really liked Soul. uh, But it's just a different animal, like completely. Uh, Incredible film. Uh, Hopefully, Adrian, did you see Wolfwalkers, Adrian? I did see Wolfwalkers. It it is uh, also my number five movie of the year. Yay. <laughs> I yeah I adore this film and uh, I, I love wolves <laughs> so it was like grand slam home run for me um, I think what really sets this one apart uh, on top of the the hand-drawn aspect of the animation uh, the fact that they have actual child actors in these roles um, and they did such a fantastic job um, I respect and understand the, the choice to, you know, get like Emma Stone to play like a 14 year old or something like that in other movies. But it just feels a little bit more authentic in performances like this. So, um, yeah, it, it's a beautiful, stunning, stunning movie to watch and had a good hearty cry throughout pretty much the entire movie. <laughs> and, uh, you know, some of some of the, the sort of lore in this movie uh, lines up a lot with with my culture, too. So it really hit really close to home in terms of spiritual conversation. So uh, I absolutely adore Wolf Walkers. It was uh, it felt like a crime to put it at five. I was like, this should be like my number one. But great year. And what else are you going to watch on Apple TV? There's been nothing. <laughs> well, they've got uh, what there's, do they have? There's the one other just... thing of, of note, uh, which uh, will at least get mentioned. Oh, uh, yeah. Sorry. My bad. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sorry. My bad. Yeah, I might have that too. <laughs> but other, ones, yeah. Yeah, other than that, yeah. <laughs> uh, Bill, you're number five. Uh, it's First Cow. We've already talked about it. It's really great. Hell yeah, it's great. Uh, Marina, you're number four. Uh, which we just talked about, Wolfwalkers. <laughs> oh, okay. Nice. I thought that might be your number one. No, no. My number one. Yeah, no. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, if if we can, uh, while we're while we're on the topic of Wolfwalkers and Spark, Marina, do you want to talk more about Spark and your involvement with Spark? Because oh. I don't think we talked about it in the beginning. No. Oh, well, thank you. This is lovely. I, I don't usually get to pimp my other jobs. So I, uh, I'm i the festival director for Sparks, for the Spark Animation Festival. It's, it's organized by a Vancouver-based nonprofit called the Spark CG Society. We put on um, events throughout the year uh, where we do presentations about um, animation, visual effects, uh, games, um, and sort of like the creative process. So a lot, lot of like making of and behind the scenes. It's a little bit, it's slightly more of a, our, our, our monthly events are more technical because our audience is mostly industry professionals because Vancouver is a big uh, hub for animation, visual effects and all of that. So uh, yeah, we put on all of these events and then twice a year we do two major festivals. We do Spark FX, which um, uh, deals with visual effects and, and, and practical effects and stuff in 
in sort of February, March, and then Spark Animation at the end of the year, which is all about animation. And so last year, because of things, we went virtual or online, I should say. Virtual isn't the right term. Um, yeah, so we did a, an online festival last year and uh, it was great. It, it was nice to see because uh, I was kind of tracking uh, people watching stuff. And it was when I saw Will's name, I'm like, hey, wait, I recognize that name. <laughs> It was, it was very, I must admit, it was very exciting to recognize though. That's Spark. Hell yeah. Thank you. So, Will, uh, we're on to your number, was it four? four. Are we on four? Yeah. Number four. Yeah. We're definitely getting, um, now that we're getting to, we're catching up, we're starting to catch up to all of our It's Higher on My List moments. So, um, um, but I have one new one to present here at number four, and it is Charlie Kaufman's I'm Thinking of Ending Thing, which I think this is probably the film that's on the list that is probably going to be the most love it or hate it film. Uh, this is Charlie Kaufman has a very, very, uh, let's say, particular style uh, in terms of the types of stories that he likes to tell. And this definitely feels like uh, one of the most Kaufman, Kaufman stories that we've seen. Um, but we end up uh, the story itself uh, follows. Uh, Jesse Buckley and Jesse Plemons uh, on a road trip to visit uh, Jesse Plemons's uh, family home at a uh, kind of like a farm out in the middle of nowhere. Uh, there we get to see the amazing uh, Tony Collette and David Thewlis uh, in the parent roles. Um, but uh, throughout this film, uh, there is something that is just slightly off and intentionally so. Uh, as you spend more and more time with the story, you realize that this is a story about something else. And I don't want to spoil what that particular thing is. But uh, for me, it hit on one of the things that uh, one of the themes that I most enjoy uh, watching in films. And in fact, if you rewind probably this podcast back about 45 minutes, I think I already said what that was. Um, but this is such a wonderful film. I, I, there's so many little like Easter egg moments, uh, for itself within the film, uh, setting up things to come, referencing things that came before breaking its own style, um, creating, um, drawing attention to things while also obfuscating other things. Uh, Jesse Plemons is just one of those guys who I think whenever you put, actually, you know, Jesse Plemons, Jesse Play, uh, Tony Collette and David Thewlis are all the type of person you put them in a movie uh, and they can easily be the best thing in it. The type of person who can just absolutely like uh, elevate a film. And the fact that all four of them get such meaty roles, uh, especially when all four of them are on screen uh, is just an absolute delight. I loved this movie and I know I've got some friends who either love, Loved this movie on some who would say that this is like self-indulgent shit and i'm okay with that because it's my self-indulgent shit i love this movie didn't quite make my list but i also really liked it um but it became a point there on twitter where i was afraid to say that i liked it because i kept on getting attacked for it which was really weird uh and people i know who at work who mistakenly watched a charlie kaufman film and got absolutely just like destroyed by it in the first like 10 minutes uh just, they're like what the hell was that and i'm just like uh i'm not explaining it I just can't. Uh, yeah, it's an, it's an incredible film. Um, but yeah, with reservations, uh, you have to know what you're going into this one with. It's 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 a tough film, um, but it's a great film. Uh, I I'm curious what Adrian has to say about this one. <laughs> yeah, I I actually I actually do kind of fall fall somewhere in the middle on this one. I I enjoyed I would say probably the first half of the movie, and I progressively got a little bit lost, kind of fell off the path 
at about the halfway or three quarter mark of the movie. And uh, it's one I definitely want to revisit because visually it's just beautiful to look at. Like I'm a big visual person and uh, this this was loaded with really cool visuals and the performances like the fucking outrageous performances at the house uh, blew me away. So, yeah, I I am kind of down the middle on this one. I haven't seen it yet, so eh, I'll get to it eventually. (laughs) Charlie Kaufman is very hit and miss for me and I know that so I I just I laugh a little bit when Bill mentions that you know people that have never seen a Charlie Kaufman movie like turn the song thinking like what were you thinking when you started it like I, I don't I can't even like wrap my head around so I haven't mentally prepared enough to watch it yet. I will. Ooh, and that's Charlie. exactly right, too. Like, this is not the type of movie to like. Like, if you're the type of person who wants to put on something that you watch in the background while, like, you're checking your Facebook or something that you want to watch just to sort of unwind after a tough day of work, this is not the movie for you. This is the type of movie that, like, um, or if this played in the middle of a festival, I couldn't imagine this playing as, like, you know, the fifth film that I watched on day seven of a film festival. Like, it would just not work for me. Uh, but if you have, if you are, if if you want something that is like something that you can really sink your teeth into and sort of like devote the time to, I think it's a very rewarding watch when you have like when you go into it ready for what what it has in store. Awesome. <laughs> what are we on now? Number th- four. 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 Okay. Yeah. This is my number. That was Will's number four. Uh, my number four. Uh, we've talked already. Uh, First Cow. Great. Great film. Absolutely blew me away. And uh, still think about it every every single day since I've watched it. And my number four. We've already talked about. Uh, Never. Rarely. Sometimes. Always. It's really damn good. Uh, next. Um. Well, we just like piling through this. My number three. We've already also talked about is Minari. <laughs> And to keep the uh, uh, nitro boost going on this one, uh, my number three is First Cow. Nice. My number three, uh, never rarely, sometimes always. <laughs> we talked about I, it. I'm <laughs> loving this. I'm loving this. Bill, what's your number three? Keep it going here. Friends, can we get controversial? Oh, no. Absolutely. <laughs> Uh, it depends on how controversial. My number three is Tenet. Oh, come on. Bam, okay, hell yeah. Oh, dude. Uh, not my tempo. Not my tempo. Okay, so I'll say, I'll say this. It's the best, probably the best looking movie I saw all year. The best looking actors I saw all year. And that's all I'll say about it. It's kind of, I like Mission Impossible movies and I like James Bond movies. But this is sort of like the James Bond film I've kind of wanted to see for the last 20 years. That kind of advanced into something more than just martinis and fucking suits uh and nolan shoots the hell out of this film and yeah you are right they all look really great but i think adrian and i were the only people who saw this on the big screen right nope and it was a different screen on the big screen man like i i I watched it on video and it's not the same film i saw this on a big ass imax screen with big ass sound and it's a different film it plays way better and uh i think it's uh in 20 years when you all think this is a masterpiece i did back 20 years ago thank you very much i am bill harris so someone has a gun to my head in 20 years is what i'm hearing pretty much (laughs) (laughs) uh no this film does look good this film does look good um you know that's i think one of the things that nolan does best is he he creates 
cinematic moments. Like this is a guy that knows how to make uh, big, nice looking films for the big screen. Um, I, I had a little bit of an issue with some of the sound design stuff. Like uh, I, I know this is sort of like an on repeat thing that a, a few people have said, but like there were moments where I was thankful for watching it at home because I turned the caption on because there was like, they would be explaining a plan. Like let's get ready to do the thing. But the music was so blasting so loud. It drowned out like what they were doing. So I had to like go back and rewatch it with the captions on just to sort of like pick that up. I, I don't think that torpedoes the entire movie, but it was just like one thing that uh, hurt my viewing experience just a bit. I think for me, the, uh, and don't get me wrong. Like I, I am a fan of movies that kind of make you think and then encourage you to watch them more than once to really get into the minutia of the storytelling. I've, I think my feel my personal feeling with where Christopher Nolan has been going the last couple of years is he's gotten to this point where he needs somebody to edit him like it's one thing to have a really great idea and another thing to like play in that wheelhouse for nearly three hours and not really give us not answers like I don't need answers I don't need you to explain it to me but I think it needs to make some sort of coherent sense and I'm not convinced that anybody can actually unpack this movie in a way that actually makes sense and I don't even need that but I do need something that is more than just a couple of really great scenes kind of strung together and I'm kind of feeling like Nolan is at that point where he's like for me he's like later Anne Rice Anne Rice that needs editors but she's gotten so big that nobody wants to edit that anymore and Nolan for me feels like he's in that wheelhouse now where he's just become this kind of magnet that you can't edit him and you can't tell him to pull things back or to revisit something when somebody really needs to tell him you maybe need to take another stab at that because it's not quite there yet yeah Adrian's gonna back me up here god damn it um, <laughs> bill I, I got you, i got your back dude yes! my number my number two tenet oh, <laughs> yes! yes uh victory hell yeah yeah see the interesting thing is like listening to what marina has to say about like he needs editing he needs like a no person I, I love this arc that Christopher Nolan is on. Like historically people view him as kind of a robot who doesn't understand human emotions and stuff. And I can totally see that, but I feel like he gets to the meat and potatoes of human emotions in uh, in interstellar and tenet to an extent. Like I think, some of these movies he's making, he's trying to understand human emotions. And uh, that may sound kind of out of left field, but uh, Elizabeth Debecki's um, character goes through quite an emotional journey and her payoff uh, moved me in, in a big, big way. Um, I absolutely adore Tenet and the action sequences, top notch. Uh, it helps that they definitely put together like the group of the most handsome men on the planet <laughs> hey that's and, my yeah. line <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> sorry i <laughs> the hottest dudes in suits i don't know it's just john david washington and robert pattinson being cool as shit like they're both bond characters essentially kenneth branagh gets to be a heavy and just be completely terrifying frightening in ways that we don't really see with villains that often um I was with it every step of the way and uh, saw it twice theatrically. Thank goodness for weekday afternoon matinees in an otherwise empty IMAX theater. Uh, absolutely adore this film. And uh, yeah, 
I, I think that, yeah, Nolan is uh, finally reaching that soul that uh, people seem to think he doesn't have. Um, I, I love Tenet. I hadn't heard that comment about him being unemotional because I, I really think his movies are really emotional. And I'm with you. I think he he's really trying to get at something bigger. I just wish that it wasn't so convoluted. <laughs> it's my personal feeling on it. For me, I don't think that's, it's not that Nolan is like unemotional. I think that I've always viewed him as like, it's almost like if an alien were wearing like a flesh suit and were trying to understand what human emotions were through the process of making film. That's kind of what I get from, from Nolan. Like there is like a longing to find this connection, but it's still sort of in the working things out stage, at least in terms of the way it connects, uh, his films, uh, connect for me. Um, while this one didn't work as much for me, I did absolutely absolutely love that travis scott song that got used in it like that was an absolute bop you're all haters you're all haters <laughs> true yeah i i think it's not incoherent i think it's lovely like i think it just flows the whole movie i maybe i'm like been watching shane caruth too much because uh that movie seemed really easy to follow and uh as shout out to my boy kenneth Branagh, who is like chewing football fields of scenery in that film just my god and uh yeah it's uh it's an incredible film as i said you'll come you'll come around and uh it'll be cool thanks controversy over <laughs> well if that's the biggest controversy that we're gonna encounter this has uh, been an easy uh, an easy ride yeah no, no. there were <laughs> there might be some picks that would have been just absolutely like hard for me to have uh uh dealt with that one i told like you know it's especially you know tenet is big screen cinema and i think there's a need to have big screen cinema like that and have and that it's a solid representation from that sort of uh style uh way better than like you know michael bay or any shit like that fast so, and furious you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 so yeah hey, adrian likes six underground oh hell yeah that was hilarious <laughs> i skipped that I laughed one a lot during uh, that movie so, uh, i don't know uh, anyway uh i think marina we're on your number two right uh yeah my number two is nomadland and if you'd asked me when i saw it if there would be any way of it being unseated i would have said no but lo and behold the rest of the year happened um i i i have a very sweet spot for this movie like dan and i are uh explorers at heart we try to get out um into the, the wild as much as we can and this was kind of like a really fascinating uh intersection of a couple of things that we've been exploring in our personal lives over the last number of years. Uh, Dan is my partner for those that don't listen to the other podcast and don't know who he is. I'm talking about this ethereal guy, like, you know, you all know who Dan is. Um, but so th th this, this story that um, really captures this essence of this thing that's having a moment in like the social media limelight van life, which is like a true movement that people are like experiencing in a very like Instagram ready sort of way. But the reality of it is that's not what this life is. And I just love the, the humanity of this movie and how it in a very unpretentious way gets at not just what it's like to be a nomad, but the social implications that led to her being in that position. And I mean, Frances McDormand is like, 
you know, uh, she's like, I, I don't even know at this point. She's like inhuman. She just has this vastness. She, she, she just like embodies these humans in a way that feels almost ethereal. Um, and her performance is just like amazing. And the film is like beautiful and sad and it just captures so many emotions. I, I was really, really taken by this movie. I, it just works on so many levels for me. It's, it's beautiful. And it's, it's my number two movie of the year. I will keep that love train going because it's also my number two movie of the year. Uh, I love Nomadland. Um, I really love uh, Chloe Zhao's uh, sensibilities as a filmmaker. Um, I really loved what she did with uh, The Writer. And that was a film where I got to see sort of like, uh, and, and I know that wasn't her, her first film. I mean, Songs My Brothers Taught Me uh, preceded it. But uh, The Writer definitely showed me the a film that is someone making a stamp on. This is the type of filmmaker uh, I am, and this is the type of filmmaker I intend to be. And I feel like Nomadland was the next extension of that, like the, uh, um, you know, the, the the fully formed version of Zhao as a filmmaker. I loved how how day to day and uh, momentary a lot of this was. Uh, we didn't always get a good sense of the timing of everything, right? Um, in terms of like how much time had passed between moments, and that was okay. Um, this is a person who is wor- used to working not only like the nomad life, but sort of like the the, the gig life, you know, like taking on odd jobs here and there, and they all sort of blur together for her. Uh, Frances McDormand is absolutely um, a powerhouse here. Uh, I think that when you look at who's getting nominated for what this year, um, I think she is an easy lock for a lot of nominations, uh, and that'll be very, very well deserved. And, you know, we're about to lose Chloe Zhao to uh, Marvel. Uh, she's got the Eternals coming up, and I'm looking forward to that, but I also am morning a little bit the fact that we're not going to immediately follow up Nomadland with whatever the next version of that might be because um hell this is a great movie it's higher on my list but uh yeah it's uh, it's an incredible film uh I- i'm kind of waiting for that shot in the internals where there's just a 15 minute shot of somebody driving in a car and pisses every marvel person off in the world i can't wait for that but yeah it's, it's incredible uh just the fact that she uh for the second movie in a row put a actor in a bunch of non-actors and just said let's go and uh that's really ballsy and uh it's an incredible film uh yeah it's higher on my list yeah um it's my number one movie of 2020 nomad land um i saw the rider uh, and that that blew me away as well uh what really got me about this is just the showing the beautiful side of humanity and using non-actors in like a highly prestigious film is incredibly bold and brave uh and that's what i love about it some of the some of the most memorable moments in that movie came from people who i don't think are even actors (laughs) so uh it just felt like we were getting this beautiful look at a piece of culture that I'm not familiar with. And uh, Frances McDormand for all the trophies in the world, in my opinion, she's just she's really something else. And I, I love any opportunity to watch her just do her thing. And I was I was in as soon as I saw the teaser and like the opening frame of the movie. She does something that is just makes me feel more than I could ever feel in most movies. And she's just working with one little like piece of fabric and like a storage container and uh i was like wow <laughs> okay buckle up i i basically cried through this entire movie 
And uh, I was so glad I had Sarah next to me because she was able to like comfort me. And she was like even checking in on me through the movie. Like, are you okay? <laughs> Why like, did I marry you? <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> she's rolling her eyes. Oh, this. Uh, she's like, oh, shit. Here we go again. Adrian's crying in a movie. Uh, just a beautiful, beautiful movie um, that um, Chloe Zhao. I, I, I love her so much. And. And a, and a, a weird flex. Uh, I know one of the screenwriters of The Eternals, so I'm gonna have to ask him for an introduction one day. Uh, be like, "Yo, hook me up, Chloe Zhao. Let's let's hang out. Let's go for beers or something." <laughs> so, um, beautiful movie. Everybody always talks about Francis McDermott, but can we get like a slow clap for David Strathairn, who's like one of the most underrated actors of our time? Oh, so lovely. Yes, so yeah. lovely. Uh, uh, Adrian, I think we're on to your number two. Oh, uh, I mentioned it. It was Tenet. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Bill. Bill's mm, number two? My number two is Wolfwalkers. We've already talked about it. <gasps> oh. Hell yeah. Awoo. Awoo. I love <laughs> that, was, that, was, that, was, that was my terrible wolf invitation. I apologize. <laughs> That's beautiful. <laughs> there we go. There we go. There we go. Okay, guys. So let me lay some stuff on you because uh, I have a feeling my number one didn't make it on anybody's list from the sounds of it. So my number one movie of the year is Sean Durkin's The Nest, which you're not alone. I, I love that movie. Is like good film. Good film. Yeah, I, I, that movie just like I don't know, man. I it, it like transported me. I love him, and this movie just like the intense family dynamics in this movie just got under my skin in a way that I didn't think was possible. And Carrie Coon is just like fucking amazing. She, she's the queen, man. Like the, just like the, the scene where she like lays into him at the party and like unravels his entire like reality is just it's like glorious and like irking and the whole thing. I just, I love the slow intensity of this movie. And you like, at every turn, you're like, okay, when is this going to explode? And then it never quite gets there the way you think it is. I just, I love it. I love these like slow boil, intense dramas. And this one was just like perfect for me. It just tapped all of the... All of the boxes. I love it. My favorite movie of the year, hands down. I am such a sucker for films that nail like the final seconds of a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, like a, a big one for me on that one is like 45 years, which like, you know, oh good God. movie. Oh good movie. God. I'm the last five seconds of the movie makes it a great movie. Right. Yeah. Uh, and uh, The Nest, I think, has something uh, to go into kind of what it is. But like, like there at the very end, the movie does something that sort of like turned it up even a couple of notches for me. So uh, I, I very much, uh, th- this one didn't make my list, but I would totally see why, why it made. So what's your number one? Well, my number one is kind of fitting with the uh, overall theme that I've got, which I think is, is, is that whole, like uh, the, uh, the American dream, either like as it's realized or as it's denied. We talked about it earlier, but it is Minari. Minari was my number one film. And I think we already know Adrian and Bill. Yeah, my number one's Nomadland. (laughs) Yeah, same here. It's incredible. So Nomadland was one, one, two, and two. So it seems like Nomadland was like the overall winner of this podcast. And it was just announced that it's coming to Hulu next month? Yes. Yes. So everybody will finally get a chance to see it. That's the that's the one film people have been asking me about. Like, when's that opening? I'm like, never. Theaters are never coming back. But uh, (laughs) welcome to Hulu and 
Crave and HBO Max and yeah. <laughs> oh god. Um. So for the rest of this list, should I just power through my uh? Not I don't want to say bottom, but like the other ten. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's uh, that's the plan, right? right? We'll each go through like eleven through twenty. So okay, let me. I'll I'll get this ball rolling. So my number eleven, and on and I'll, I'll preface this by saying that on any given day, probably some of these would have made it into my top ten. It just today it ended up like. Uh, so my number eleven, Julia Hart's "I'm Your Woman," which is on Amazon. Lovely, lovely movie about um, what happens uh, to a woman whose husband is like a mob guy that gets killed. It I. Like Rachel Brosnahan is so good in this movie and it's just such a fun, if you can call it that, uh, other look at the other side of the mob movie. It has, it's wonderful. I really, really loved it. Um, number 12, uh, a little Canadian movie called Violation. It also played, I want to say, I think it played at TIFF. Uh, it made it, it's been making its festival rounds. It's a, a stunningly powerful revenge movie from a very from a female perspective and it is completely unflinching and heart-wrenching to watch and just i love this movie bill you're laughing can i say as a guy the ending of that film is hardcore hardcore yeah this whole movie is hardcore it is not an easy watch but it's i highly recommend it i think it's fantastic uh number 13 underplayed uh, which is stacy lee's documentary about female djs i mean it's at this point we know that women are underrepresented in like any number of fields uh this is about you know the underrepresentation of women in edm music which i don't generally listen to but i gotta tell you man i watched this documentary and that's all i could listen to for like three weeks i was like in deep i i really really enjoyed it i thought it was a really well made uh, and really fun documentary if you could call it that the music is awesome uh number 14 another hardcore uh michael franco's new order this movie kicked my ass when I saw it at TIFF. I, it just sat with me for months. I couldn't get it out of my mind. There was some like, I think you saw this one, Bill, right? Yeah, I did. It's really good. Third yeah. act third act problems aside, it's really good. Yeah, that you're, you nailed it. I, I didn't quite love the ending, but I thought it overall it was really solid and it, it really hit me hard. Uh, number 15, The Invisible Man. Probably one of the better remakes I've seen in a number of years. Uh, Elizabeth Moss acts the shit out of this movie and it really works. Like I love good horror movies and this one for me felt like it just nailed it. I, I, I really, really loved it. I thought it was fantastic. And it's one of these movies that is easy to forget because it came out like it feels like a gazillion years ago, but it's so good. Um, number 16, probably a movie that a lot of people haven't seen, Archive. I think it's streaming on Amazon. Uh, this is Gavin Rothery's movie about uh, sentient robots, I guess. Uh, it stars Theo James and Stacey Martin. And Theo James is this kind of like good looking guy that everybody kind of says, oh, yeah, well, you know, you think of him in the the really terrible movies with Shailene Woodley, the name of the Divergent series. And he's okay. He's eye candy in that. He's turned out to be like a really solid humor. Um, and he's really good here. He he pretty much carries the movie. It, it has, it's not like super sleek visuals, but for the amount of money that they had to make it, it has pretty solid special effects. And I, I, I really liked the story and I thought it was really well executed. I believe it's a, a feature film debut and it's one that I would recommend making time for. It was It's pretty solid. Um, number 17, Bad Education. Uh, Corey Finley's movie for, I 
think was this was an HBO title. I don't remember now. Um, yeah, so this is the kind of movie that is so easy to just kind of like write off as like this fluffy piece of entertainment. But man, this movie is freaking solid. It's sh like shot like beautifully. The performances are amazing. Hugh Jackman and Allison Janney are so good. And the whole time you're like, and this actually happened? What? I, I love it. Uh, my number 18 is Beanpole. Uh, which is um, Kantemir Balagov's World War II drama about these two women that are basically trying to survive. I, I'm just like speechless. The performances in this movie are amazing. And um, it's just so beautiful and really, really sad and powerful. Uh, it's not an easy watch, but it's one I really, really enjoyed. Uh, my number 19... I don't think anybody mentioned this one. Swallow. Um, Haley Bennett is amazing in this movie. And it, they shoot the shit out of this thing. It's amazing. For a movie about a woman that's eating things she shouldn't be eating. Uh, and that's pretty much the only thing that happens in the movie. It's intense, man. And then my number 20 was One Night in Miami at the beginning of the show. And those are my top 20. Will, on to you, sir. That is a hell of a list. Um, like, uh, yeah, I mean, that would be a compelling top 10. Like, if you had presented that, like, that that would have been a great list in and of itself. Um, so um, my uh, 11 through 20. Uh, yeah, so my 11, uh, I ended up with uh, Lover's Rock. Um, the uh, One of the five films as part of the Small Axe series from Steve McQueen. Uh, I liked most of them. I think four of the five I really connected with. Uh, this one, I... I elevated um, uh, to the top mainly because of the silly games uh, scene, which is just one of the like film moments of the year. Uh, my number 12 was actually Beanpole. Um, you'd mentioned it before the Cantemir Balagoff film, uh, probably one of the most beautifully shot films of the year. Uh, just the way the colors, uh, pop off of every frame. And this was a young, uh, inexperienced, uh, cinematographer working with this, uh, director. And it's, 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 it's just incredible, uh, the quality of work that came in here. Uh, number, uh, 13 is the documentary Time. Uh, which follows a uh, woman who has been fighting for the release of her husband from uh, prison after serving a 60-year sentence uh, for something that had happened in the past, uh, shot uh, all completely in black and white and using uh, um, a lot of like footage that she um, acquired over the years. It's definitely one of those films where uh, the absence of a character is as profound as uh, the appearance of a character um you know just the fact that he's not here um speaks volumes uh dick johnson is dead was my number 14 we talked about that one some but just such a wonderful exploration of what it is to be at the last stages of life um to share that with um uh the people that are still in your life uh number 15 for me david burns american utopia it's really hard for me to just pick a um, music documentary uh, that is like just a presentation of a, a on-screen performance, but um, Spike Lee makes this music and makes this presentation just pop so much. I find myself uh, putting this on in the background after having watched it the first time and just sort of vibing out to it quite often. Uh, number 16, uh, Bill, you had mentioned it. She Dies Tomorrow. Uh, Amy yes. Simmons 
film. Uh, I wish I could have placed this one higher because it's absolutely my type of film. I love the entire cast here. We didn't mention um, uh, Tunde Adabimpe from uh, TV on the radio. He's only in this for a moment, but uh, I've now seen him in a couple of movies and uh, he is just, he's a dude I want to see doing more films. Uh, I love his music. I love him uh, showing up in movies. And I love just this movie as a whole, just how, um, how it fit the theme for like the pandemic so damn well, even though it's not a pandemic film. Um, that brings me to, gosh, I lost track of my number. Am I on 17 now? Yeah. 17. We talked about spontaneous, um, young adult movies, uh, don't have to be this good. And yet this one somehow is, uh, and also Charlie Plummer is an absolute talent. Uh, I put num- I put Soul at number eighteen. Uh, I really vibed with a lot of this uh, movie by uh, Pixar. Um, there's a little bit of a drag at a, a kind of in the middle of the film that um, pulled me up, maybe kept me from having it a little bit higher. But uh, the animation when they're in the um, before time and after time kind of sections are just so beautiful that I couldn't not put this on the list. Number nineteen. I have uh, you'd mentioned it earlier. Uh, Shithouse, uh, written, directed, and starring uh, Cooper Rafe. Uh, This uh, dude is a freshman at college and um, goes to a party, and he ends up uh, meeting up with a uh, girl who's like sort of like the RA for his dorm, and they have like a night of hanging out. I think there is a big portion of this movie that owes a lot of its uh, form and structure to like the um, uh, the Before series uh, by uh, um, Linklater. And this definitely feels like a willing, like a, 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 a worthy um, carrying of the torch of kind of that walking and talking film, but but make it good uh, vibe that those movies have. And number 20, I have Baccarat, which, gosh, how do you even explain this movie? Uh, <laughs> uh, well, I'll, I'll start by saying Udo Kier's in it. Um, and um, he's not said. Yeah, enough Not said. Fair. He chews the scenery, but there's this so much going on in this movie. Baccarat is go in blind. Actually, just watch it and watch it unfold. Uh, I didn't know what it was. I just heard people talking about Baccarat, uh, so I just put it on blind, and uh, I think I enjoyed the experience better. It's weird because I saw Baccarat and Beanpole at VIF two years ago. Like oh, wow. it's been it's been that long, and uh, there's no way I could put those films. It, it wouldn't have been right. But uh, yeah, they're both really good. I don't know what happened to their release schedule, but that probably shouldn't have happened. There's no way I should have saw those two years ago. Well, it, there's like the, the festivals really throw things off. Like, uh, um, you know, two that, that you all had mentioned, uh, Bast of Night and Swallow were 2019 Fantastic Fest films. Uh, and, uh, and and honestly, both made it into my like final cut. They're they're. Oh, they're honestly in my like uh, both those films are in my 21 through 25 list. Um, but it's it's so funny how we see these films and then we have to sort of figure out what year to put them in. Like, is it based on release schedule, based on when we watch it? And it's sometimes uh, with even things like Nomadland, which got bumped back to its official release being here in 2021. Uh, I struggled with even if that one should make this year's list or not. Uh, it, it, it Oscar qualified on the 25th. Yeah. That's that's what that's what ultimately I was like, what films would be Oscar quali- uh, qualified for this year? Uh, and I tried to use that to sort of line up like my qualifiers, but it's 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 tricky. So so now that we're done your list, Will, pimp your uh, your video. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, this is my third year in a row of doing this. Um, I put together a top 25 countdown video. Uh, and, um, I mean, we've seen them like, uh, you know, David Ehrlich, uh, does his every year. And I mean, he's just, 
you see absolute goat but um for me uh, i wanted to try to learn video editing and i love movies and lists and stuff so it was like kind of an easy way of like uh uh getting my foot in the door there so yeah i did a um countdown video of my own for this year uh with these exact same films uh 25 through 1 uh as well as sort of like a little intro moment that sort of like captured how the year of film sort of like hit me uh so that film is or that video is i mean it's how best to plug it but it's like i actually just check out my twitter uh at whatever cove on twitter and i've posted the link to it a few times that's probably the easiest way to find it thanks for getting me super misty at the beginning of that video by the way (laughs) (laughs) same here (laughs) <laughs> i had a five cat cry uh just making it so i'm glad i could at least uh pass that along to you guys as well <laughs> nice yeah it's definitely moved if uh if i'm professional enough I'll, I'll include links to spark and and also will's countdown list we'll see if i remember <laughs> i guess did we just lose adrian no he it's showing that he's muted oh oh here we go <laughs> i think i clicked the wrong button <laughs> um all right yeah i was switching between screens i must have hit the wrong thing anyway um did you catch the part where i said uh, i'll i'll include links to spark and will's countdown yes we got that okay good all right uh yeah on to my 11 through 20 uh the first two 11 and 12 were actually my top 10 until i watched uh baby teeth and dick johnson is dead uh number 11 promising young woman uh carrie mulligan just being an absolute beast and incredible um this movie caught me by surprise i didn't know what to expect going in Uh, i didn't see a trailer going into it and i I watched it and was absolutely blown away and just love the way they uh play with your your expectations of of what's going to happen at certain parts of the movie and it just i felt like they really kept me on my toes and it's a very colorful, beautiful movie to look at as well. Like the color palette is uh, is really stunning. Uh, my number 12 is The Assistant. Um, broke my heart to cut this out of my top 10, but uh, great year at movies. Um, I mentioned earlier, this one made me physically ill. And um, I think that's a testament to the power of film. Um, my number 13 film, um, Jeff Barnaby's Blood Quantum, which um, of course hits me really, really close to home. It's about uh, a zombie outbreak where indigenous people are immune to becoming zombies. What a really cool concept. And uh, it's got one of the most badass grandpas I've ever seen in a movie. And uh, I love this movie. And, uh, uh, you know, I, th- I think all of us here, we've, we've been Barnaby stands since uh, Rhymes for Young Ghouls. So it was really cool to see him. Uh, cause I- I've watched him through this whole process. You know, he- he's been posting on Twitter, like from the very beginning of, you know, he'd, he'd always talk about the script. And, and he talked about, you know, getting, getting the-, the green light to produce this film and make it. And it was just really cool to, uh, to witness the the whole thing in it beautiful movie I, I absolutely love it I'm gonna I- pimp, I'm gonna I'm gonna interrupt and pimp an interview that I did with Jeff uh, when Blood Quantum was released earlier in the year and he's just like such a joy to talk to and such a down to earth really smart person and he just he's fabulous and the movie is so much fun and he's he he manages to infuse so much knowledge and history into a movie that shouldn't have like you don't expect to get anything more than just like some some fun out of it and you walk away feeling like you've learned something new um he's just fabulous he's fabulous one of my favorite ever moments at a film festival we were the the screening of blood quantum had ended and we were all outside 
and I looked up and Adrian was talking to Jeff Barnaby and it, and it just put a giant smile on my face. I'm like, this is fucking no. awesome. Yeah. Like this is, this is incredible stuff. And yeah, as, as uh, you guys were saying, uh, if you haven't seen rhymes for young ghouls, yeah, you better get on that one. Yeah. Yeah. That was a really cool moment to be able to talk to an indigenous filmmaker and just say, dude, I love your movie. I, I loved Rhymes for Young Ghouls. And to be able to have that conversation, that was uh, a really special moment. Probably one of my all-time favorite movie-going experiences. Um, my number 14 movie, Spontaneous, we talked about that a bit earlier. Um, that one, I knew nothing going in other than Bill's pitch of it's about teenagers exploding and uh, once door again, the hell out once, of it. Once again, sorry for that. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. We've all been there, haven't we? Uh, but yeah, it just, uh, again, I just um, I, I feel like it's one of those movies where you get more out of it with the more life experience you have. And uh, yeah, do what you will with that. Uh, number 15 time. It, it broke my heart to have it quote unquote so low um but it's it's just a stunning film and just the love and persistence uh displayed in this film just blew me away and um it's heart-wrenching to watch and uh a, but a, a very rewarding movie going experience uh number 16 another round um we we stand mads in this house so sarah and i we just absolutely were losing our minds watching another round um uh, it's a really cool movie about friendship too and um you know i don't want to say i'm getting to my later stages of life but i'm definitely not you know a kid anymore <laughs> so where they're at in life it feels like that's just around the corner for me and um it it just really uh hammered home the, the importance of friendship and uh importance of family and the people around you uh another round we, we had a blast watching that um my number 17 film uh relic uh this one uh this one really just um it, it tackles it tackles a subject that you don't see a lot in movies or at least i don't see it a lot in movies um you know uh the grandmother going through stages of dementia and dealing with that with that aspect and it's about generations and you know the grandmother the daughter the granddaughter uh just a lot to chew on in that movie. It, it's very dark, but it's also very beautiful. And it's it's made with a loving touch that just moved me in the biggest way. Yeah, the, the physical manifestation of... Um of dementia is like spectacular and it's come it's so unexpected just kind of it's you out of nowhere i'm with you it's such a great great film and it's streaming on netflix for those that haven't seen it definitely worth adding to your queue oh yeah um my next one number 18 the lodge i i had a blast just watching this and being very confused and not sure where it was going next and uh, i love the performances from top to bottom in the lodge um it was nice to sit down and watch this with sarah in a dark room and we were both feeling very isolated and weird <laughs> watching this uh but it, it was a beautiful experience adrian i walked out of the theater on that one just like absolutely like shaking and unable to like talk to people because it was like um in a good way in a good way um oh, yeah. like it was I, I really liked the movie but it just like it got so underneath my skin i was just like okay uh guys uh, i'm walking away for 10 minutes i just need to get my shit together before i can well, like rejoin the world <laughs> need it need to let it brew 100 yeah. percent. that was such a rad viff screening oh my god marina was there she knows yeah. what i'm talking 
about. Oh my god, the the walkouts were just classic. Oh, so good. <laughs> and Riley Keough is so amazing generally, but she is so good here. Oh fuck. Yeah, I love her so much. Uh, my number nineteen. I'm kind of breaking my own little rule here. I don't think it got a release, but fuck it. I'm putting it here anyway. Uh, Lapsus, which is just a really amazing extremely low budget sci-fi that is so much better than most sci-fi films you see um the lead actor i think it's his first movie and um it's just a it's just a really cool movie that seems to it it it, it displays exactly what we're all going through the, the rat race and the pursuit of obtaining things and who's benefiting the most and who's who's getting a leg up who's uh, getting left behind um it's there's so much to this film i can't do it justice in 90 seconds but lapsus definitely put it on your radar and check it out yeah i'm also a big fan of this one i i love like lo-fi sci-fi movies and this one was like it, I, it surprised me i didn't know what to expect and um you sometimes when you see movies like this you watch the trailer you're like eh, because they come undone by the performances sometimes when they're really low budget but this one did not suffer from that it's solid solid all around i really enjoyed it too great recommendation this one went on my radar after seeing bill tweet about it uh and then i was fortunate enough to be able to not only like watch it at night stream but it also played at uh other worlds austin which is a sci-fi festival here in austin and i was doing uh filmmaker interviews as part of the festival and um got to talk to uh, uh the director of lapsus and it was a it was a wonderful uh wonderful wonderful conversation like it it enhanced an already solid film for me awesome. yeah and uh my number 20 one night in miami just a great hangout movie and just uh i love the performances and um yeah i can't say much more that uh hasn't been said already but uh i think will said before you could kind of see it as like a stage play like the basically taking place in in one room for most of the movie it was just uh it it was a bold choice and and it paid off big time because the the actors could just play and we could have a blast watching them so uh one night miami my number 20 all right my uh, 11 to 20 are at number 11 Promising Young Woman, uh, Emma Farrell's, um, I don't quite know. I still am struggling with my rating on this film. It, it, it was such a kick in the nuts that uh, I, I, it could be higher later, but I'm still struggling with it. But it's, I still see the genius in it. Uh, number 12, I'm backing Adrian up for that Tenet thing earlier. I'm going to go with Lapsus at number 12. Fuck if it hasn't been released. It's released next, next month on uh, uh, VOD uh yeah great film noah hutton's second film pretty damn incredible as you said lo-fi sofa uh science fiction can't beat that uh number 13 is this the first time this has come up palm springs did you guys miss that one no I it, yeah it. all right cool. it was yeah it was in my notes i yeah didn't quite Love make it. it for me though good pick. uh a riff on Groundhog Day, but with two people, and it sh- you think it's probably not going to work because you've already seen Groundhog Day 50 times on TBS. But uh, it's really damn good. Uh, both the leads are incredible, and uh, it, it surprised me. Uh, number 14, Swallow. I'll never look at push, push pins again the same. Uh, number 15, Dick Johnson is dead. Uh, some of the, the things that she does in this film, this broke my heart. It's incredible. Uh, number 16, Lovers Rock. The first song is incredible, but nobody talks about the second song. The second song is also incredible. Uh, number 17, Beastie Boys Story. Uh, we already talked about that one. Number 18, the one that's going to get me straight to hell. 
Minari. Uh, sorry, everybody. Uh, number 19, The Assistant. And my number 20 is a film I always want to pimp. So I'm going to go with The Personal History of David Copperfield from Armando Iannucci. It's a period piece. Deb Battelle is incredible in it. Check it out if you can. And that is my 20. Hell yeah. Enjoy hell, by the way. Yeah, damn right. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Heartless Bill. We're, we're used to that, though. I'll be drinking, I'll be drinking Mountain Dew with, looking up at you motherfuckers. That's <laughs> be sure to say hi to Bill and Ted when they drop in. Oh, yeah. So are we going to move to the other categories? Worst three. Worst three. Who wants to go first on that one? Same order? Yeah, sure. Same order. Uh, Marina? So I copped out. I'm going to give you one really bad movie that I didn't like this year, and that's probably enough, because quite honestly, I had a very decent year in movies, and I didn't see anything that got me so angry that I was like, this is the worst thing I've seen, except for this one movie, which probably made... The anger I have towards this movie probably makes up for the fact I only have one, and that's Witches, which rubbed me the wrong way so hard i i my my i just don't i don't even know where to start nothing about this thing worked for me i i still don't know who the audience is i hate what they've done with this story uh i hated the effects i hated the performances nothing about this worked for me i still don't know why they made it i the money could have been used for something else i don't even know what it that is something else would be but not this I hated this. Directed by Robert Zemeckis. Yeah, like that's like at this point, he's just like, I don't know what he's riffing on, but I don't like it. This like just Anne Hathaway in this movie is just I love her and she's just so terrible. Like, I don't know how anybody would read this and go, yeah, this looks like fun. Oh, my God. Just now I had feelings. Can you tell? People got to eat, man. <laughs> uh, apparently. Uh, this movie, yeah. That, that, it was enough, I had enough hate for this movie to make up. You get one, which is. Oh, so that's your bottom one, two, and three. That's and it, it takes off. Like, if I was to do a bottom ten, this would take them all. It's like a black hole of emotions. I hate, And I don't hate a lot of stuff, but I hate it. Wow. I hate, oh, I hate it, too. I got nothing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Try to follow that up, Will. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, that one's not in my bottom three, but it is definitely in my dishonorable mentions. Uh, um, I guess. So my three are um, Hillbilly Elegy. Uh, yeah. This movie feels like it's sort of like this year's Green Book in that it's like the film that swings for the Oscar fences but strikes out hard. Uh, there are some big performances in this that I don't think are necessarily bad by themselves, but they are bad in this film because this is a bad movie. Um, I hated this uh, and I feel like everyone in it um, deserved better. Uh Artemis Fowl is on there as well. The uh, Disney Plus adaptation of the uh, young adults like magic heist franchise. Um, this one had some fun ideas, but it was an editing nightmare. And so the the movie just ended up being this like poorly plotted mess of ideas that just went nowhere. But the, the movie that I hated the most was, um, oh boy, uh, Guns Akimbo. I hated this fucking, <laughs> I hated this incel garbage trash movie. Um, and it didn't help at all for me that the, um, the, the filmmaker itself kind of waded into some like Twitter stuff, uh, right after the, um, kind of the film was getting ready to be released and he did so in sort of like the worst way possible. I won't rehash those, but it was, um, it was pretty gross what happened there. So, um, yeah, bad movie, bad time all around. Just, I did not like it. Sorry, fans of those movies. (laughs) All I'm going to say is that Will has really good taste. (laughs) 
watched two out of the three and I didn't like either of them. But there was not the level of hate I had for witches. <laughs> fair, fair, fair. No, I think witches was like my bottom, like it was like my fifth worst. So like I, I it's it's down. Like I, I think I, I think the ones that are swirling the drain here, I think um I can see why they are for us. <laughs> So those are my three. My bottom three. I kind of like Marina. Like I, I didn't watch a lot of bad movies last year, but these three I think are pretty bad. So these are just the first three that came to mind. Uh, the first one, you're gonna laugh at me. The Craft Legacy. Oh fuck um, off! <laughs> <laughs> fuck off! Are you serious? That movie is not great, but not terrible. Yeah, I really didn't like it. I oh, and I, I was you're like, not a girl, Adrian. You're not gonna half. I gave it half a star. Oh well, you're you're beyond you're beyond because I mean this was definitely not for you. But Adrian, I thought you knew better, man. Well, yeah, it was just it was just uh, the first one I thought of. So, um, and I I I love the first one. I'll Uh, I'll say this: I'll I'll stand up for it because I thought that um, I wasn't sure what to expect out of. another hit at the craft which was a movie that like came out when i was a teenager and i was like the perfect audience for it so i was really curious to see how they handled kind of a rehash of the material and i thought they handled it pretty well for you know what it is i mean it's not the smartest movie that i saw this year and it's not like the best sort of teen angst girl movie that i've seen but i thought they did a really decent job of it i thought the performances were really good and it really does touch at some stuff that's like very present and now in a way that I thought felt really authentic and I could totally get behind it and you know I it touched my girly sensibility that's cool all right I respect that okay what else am I fighting for come on uh, okay I I think this next one might get you going a little bit and I'm just gonna say for the next two it's like I'm not mad I'm just disappointed um Bill and Ted face the music I was super disappointed with this one I was I was actually pretty mad when I finished watching it, I was like, dude, oh, it, it felt like to me, it felt like a bunch of people got together and they're like, let's try to recapture this movie that was so special all those years ago. And they didn't talk to anybody involved with the movie. They just kind of went for it. And they're from a different planet. And uh, that's what it felt like to me watching Bill and Ted face the music. I was super disappointed. I, I, I think you're right. The, the, I think the goal was to kind of try to recapture the magic of the first two movies. I, I don't think it quite gets there for me, but uh, the women are so good. And I love the movie, the fact that it kind of like hones in on this this relationship between the two the, the two girls and i i really liked it but then i was predisposed to love anything i'm sorry i apologize in advance it's good. <laughs> what it is. that's true good, i get that good weezer song very good weezer that's song. Good. that's weezer true song that's yeah. about it whatever. <laughs> and, uh, whatever oh no 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 i i would also say uh i really liked seeing samara weaving in this like i think she is uh i i, I She's an absolute talent. And, um, you know, I, I, I don't think this was the best thing that she's been in. It has, certainly wasn't the best thing that she's been in, even within the last 12 months. Um, but, you know, I, I liked her. I like I liked what she was doing. Cool. And my um, the one I really, really absolutely hated and thought was oh, give it to the me. worst movie. The give worst movie me. last year. Uh, Wonder Woman 1984. Yes. Oh, you guys, <laughs> seriously? Absolutely. You're breaking my heart. It's just, I, I, I really enjoyed the first one. Like the, yeah, the villain kind of sucked and the, the CG was rough at, 
in spots, but I still really enjoyed it. Like that World War One No Man's Land thing, that was incredible. And uh, there's nothing like that in this one. Um, I, I really enjoyed the opening sequence with the, the little girl and like the Olympic trials or whatever they had going on there. That was awesome. And then uh, and then the rest of it happened. And uh, I just couldn't get behind anything they were doing. I, it just I, I was I was perplexed as I was watching it. I was just like, what is happening here? What is Pedro Pascal doing? What? Why is this little kid by himself the whole movie? What the fuck is this movie? And um, my my one complaint about and I wish that um, the 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 superhero movies would get out of this rut that they find themselves in where the movies all have the same beats. It's like it's almost like it's written in stone that you have to have these beats and you have to hit these beats at certain points in your story because that I think it it limits what the filmmakers can do and i i think like i have issues with wonder woman 1984 and i i can understand why people have issues with it i i actually liked the villain in this one more than i liked the villain in the first one because i felt like there were some different stakes at play that didn't feel uh like they felt different than the other comic book movies uh, which i appreciated i mean yeah it has problematic spots and it's a little bit too long but i i love so much of it that i can kind of overlook some of the stuff that i didn't think worked for me like that that entire opening sequence you mentioned with the little girl is so wonderful and so the kind of thing that i want to share with all the girls in my life um because it, it's it's wonderful to be able to see that and show that to girls and say you can do this and wonder woman herself is it's just this beautiful embodiment of like this classic power and Chris Pine is so just like wonderful I don't know I, I I had so much there was so much joy for me in this movie that I can overlook the things that didn't really work I still don't think it's the one of the worst movies of the year but okay. <laughs> I'm not mad yeah I still I love love you're, just, you're just disappointed <laughs> I love all of the great 80s music in this one yeah like yeah. um let's see they had uh they, they, had, they had a song in the trailer um that's about yeah. it no like i think the only 80s song that actually appeared in this one was the um there was like a what, frankie goes to hollywood song that played for just like a moment at a fundraiser it's, it seems like such a missed opportunity to like not just like fill this thing with like cheesy good like uh uh songs from the 80s like i, I don't know why they didn't do that i actually think that for me, I can understand why they stayed away from that. Because, I mean, one of the things that Patty Jenkins has talked about quite a bit, um, can you tell I'm a fan, um, is the how they were trying to keep Wonder Woman as this classic... I mean, even the way she dresses is much more contemporary than you would expect from an 80s, like an 80, a character that in a movie that's set in the 80s. Like everybody else looks like they're in an 80s movie, but she does not. She looks totally out of time. And I can appreciate that they've made some of those um, decisions to kind of keep that more in the background. I think you're right. They do miss some of those opportunities, but I think they really lean into others like that that fight sequence in the 80s supermall, which is like every 80s reference you could possibly want in like a five minute stretch. That was more than enough to keep me happy. And of course, you know, Chris Pine's outfits, which were glorious, glorious. I'll stop defending it now. 
<laughs> oh, but I'm not going to stop yet. Oh, <laughs> yeah, lucky. Hit me up. What am hit, I defending hit, next? Hit uh, okay, so that scene that you, everybody's talking about at the beginning, Warner Brothers wanted to cut it. Yeah, well, they don't know it. Exactly. Which is a, that, that explains the whole entire film, though. Like, your villain is in a different film. He's in a completely different film. He's doing his own thing. You have the kid. Nice, I like that age. And the kid is just alone, like Macaulay Culkin, in, in a fucking office the whole movie. Um, Gal Gadot goes from being super smart to being just making phone calls, asking questions the entire film. She loses all of her charisma. Uh, Chris Pine is good. Uh, Invisible Plane, she can fucking fly. There you go. Worst film of the year. Uh, and as I said, Will and I have very good taste. Uh, my other two, uh, Artemis Fowl complete fucking shit uh disney uh dumped that on there for they were supposed to go theatrical they, they dumped that film they knew it was terrible it is awful and my worst film of the year and i fucking hated this film i saw it theatrically too thanks for wasting my 15 bucks on hillbilly elegy uh a white guy who cures everything and thank god he is such a savior uh and amy adams you made me hate amy adams thanks for that what what i don't understand about hillbilly elegy is this is based on that memoir of a real person i'm like real like no <laughs> so much of this is wrong <laughs> yeah it's it's easily the worst film of the year. I, I hated that film so much. And uh, yeah, uh, yeah, nothing more. Terrible. And, and, and Wonder Woman. I'm sorry, but that's, that's fucking off. Uh, you don't know what you're talking about. That's let's, let's talk about some other good things. Let's change the tone here. <laughs> what, do, what do you want? What do you want to do next, Adrian? Uh, best album? Sure. Do you want me to go first? I, I, yeah. So more, I, yeah. I'm, I don't like listen to music in any way that's like okay I, I listen to music kind of like in playlist form so half the time i don't know what's new and what's not but i looked it up so i knew exactly what i was talking about so i have more than one because i'm that person um so i had a number of albums that were kind of on repeat when they came out this year and that have continued to stay on my playlist for the majority of the year uh chromatica from lady gaga because she's like the shit um after hours from the weekend who i'm not a fan of but i really like this album a lot there's just like part of it was the whole his that song was on every tiktok video for like three months and it was just like this earworm that i couldn't get rid of um how i'm feeling now from charlie xcx i i love her and that album is tops and fiona apples fetch fetch the bolt cutters which was like this magical thing that came out of fucking nowhere and blew my so those are my albums and i just realized it's three women so hey i'm winning at life i feel i uh- I love Charlie XCX. Oh, she's the greatest. I love her. Oh, good. All right. Uh, so for for me, um, there are a few. F- uh, you guys are actually going to hate what my final pick is, but uh, I, I'm going to stand by it. But um, before I get to it, there are a couple that I felt like almost made the list and almost ones I felt like I should pick. Like Run the Jewels 4 was yeah, a great album. Uh, oh, I love that album. Love that uh, Fiona, album. So good. Uh, Fiona Apple's uh, Fetch the Bolt Cutters was really high up for me. So was Phoebe Bridger's uh, Punish, uh, Punisher. But um, fuck it. Uh, my number one pick is actually uh, Evermore by Taylor Swift, which is uh, not, I'm not a big Taylor Swift fan, but uh, this was the second album that she put out this year. She co-wrote it with Aaron uh, Dessner of The National. Um, and this album features a bunch of songs with like Aaron Dessner, uh, B- Bon Iver, uh, Haim, 
uh, artists that would not normally be the ones that you think that she would partner with. Uh, it strips a lot of the um, uh, musicality down to sort of like a uh, folk sensibility. She keeps a lot of her pop lyric sensibility. Um, she writes teen heartbreak stories and she always has but they've always been very like personal and indulgent before and now in this like pop uh this uh uh folk pop album and now that she's like 30 years old and has a little bit more um i don't know something to her uh wisdom age whatever uh she's telling those same teen heartbreak stories through like the lens of like a fictional nostalgia and i think that it suits her like whole storyteller aesthetic so much more than what she's done in the past i've listened to this album more than i've listened to any other album this entire year so yeah it's uh taylor swift's evermore color me surprised as much as anyone else that's the most eloquent description of taylor swift i've ever heard in my life she's she's wonderful i'm a huge fan so thank you for that that was lovely thank you so i'm at work and uh this girl i work with comes up to me and goes you have to hear this song. And I'm like, okay, play this song for me. And she plays this song and I recognized who it was. And I'm thinking to myself, wow, she's not talking about her ex-boyfriends anymore. This actually seems like an adult talking instead of a child. And the song was Cardigan off the first album. Uh huh. That song is awesome. And I was like, wow, that's, I might actually like Taylor Swift. This is really weird. <laughs> and yeah, good pick, Will. Uh, no, no embarrassment there, man. I'm even saying that. And I like death metal <laughs> <laughs> you guys are just lucky there was no nine inch nails this year because otherwise i would have been all over that shit and but, soul soundtrack doesn't fully count because it's great but it's not like the greatest just saying yeah it almost does feel like it would be a cheat answer for me but i could also just say like everything that like resner and ross have done as a pair like the last 12 months uh because you know you take some of the songs off of Soul. You think some of the stuff off of um, Oh gosh, what else did they do earlier in the year? Um, watch, did Watchmen. They come? did Watchmen, which was was that this year? That I don't even like, know. I think it was, was, yeah. was twenty nineteen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Mank, like they wrote the songs, like the old time songs on Mank. Like uh, you know, like it's it's just impressive what they've done. But um, yeah, uh, my my favorite album from uh, twenty twenty was Circles by Mac Miller. Um, I wasn't really familiar with his music, and uh, when he passed away, I was kind of asking around with some of my friends who I knew really enjoyed his music, and it's like, where should I start? And they just like they were just like, just listen to stuff. And uh, he has this track called Blue World that just really uh, is it, beautiful, and you know, it's kind of haunting as well with him with him passing on and stuff. But it's just a it's a stunning album, and it's gotten me into listening to some of his older stuff. So um, yeah, it was really cool to be able to finally understand a, a, a shred of what my friends have been talking about for years, and uh, really wish I was into his music sooner. But um, yeah, circles. Uh, yeah, it, it, it's great. I love it. Are are we allowed to listen to the uh, Mac Miller song "Donald Trump" now? Because that song that song is a banger. Yeah, I think that's fine. <laughs> uh, my uh, my CD of the year is uh, Father John Misty's live COVID album. Uh, off key in Hamburg. Uh, it's more or less a greatest hits package of all of his incredible work. Uh, I think he's the best songwriter going today, and uh, he's got a big band behind him, and he is just belting it out. Uh, it's an incredible CD. If you haven't listened to it, um, I think it's on music services now. But before you, you had to buy it to, uh, you had to donate to for COVID relief. Uh, it's incredible. I think Father John Misty is the future. So that's fine. Hell of a good pick. Hell of a good pick. Nice. 
Uh, should we do a TV show next? Best TV show? Does everybody have Ted Lasso? Fuck yes. <laughs> <Come on>. <laughs> <laughs> I- I've only seen the first episode, so no. How could you stop <laughs> one? Oh, Dan and I love this show so much, but then I'm predisposed to love <laughs> a show about football. <laughs> it's just so lovely and way smarter than uh, you would have expected from a comedy about a football coach, like football, American football coach that goes to the UK to, to, to train footy. It, it's, I, it's lovely. I, I think it's so much fun. I have more. Can, can I, can I, 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 want, oh, yeah. I watch a lot of TV. So Hit us with Ted it. Lasso was definitely up there for me. Um, I put small acts, the package in my TV picks because that's kind of what they're, they're pimping it as. And I thought that overall, um, it's a really strong mini series. It, it's beautiful. Um, season five of The Expanse is on like another fucking level. That show, like you think it can't get any better, and it gets better with every season. Um, I was a bit disappointed that this season was kind of like a setup for the final season, but it still doesn't disappoint. The performances are top notch. The story is fascinating, and they just keep building this universe that you just. I'm going to be disappointed once they stop. The show is so good. And then my guilty pleasure of the year was Bridgerton. My life is complete. <laughs> I, I, you guys, I'm sure you guys know I'm a huge fan of period dramas. Like, just give them all to me. I will take them all. This one was like the period drama that you can share with your mom until like episode six. And then it's like softcore porn. And you're like... Oh my God, I never knew I wanted this in one of these movies, but I, now I totally want it in all of them. It's just, it's perfect. It's so perfect. It's love, love. And that's all I'll say about that. <laughs> I was at work watching Bridgerton with a couple of staff members, and it's this totally nice, proper show. And then you, they walk by and you're like, you're watching porn? <laughs> and uh, I, one of my coworkers walks in and she goes, um, is he going down on her? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, he is. And I'm like, yes, he is. I should not be watching this at work. Click. I haven't finished it yet, but it was good. Oh, it's like the perfect Marina show. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Shondaland. Oh, so good. I haven't watched that. I haven't watched Bridgerton yet, but um, uh, definitely on the list. I, I don't get a chance to watch. I mean, I've watched all these movies and I'm so far behind on television. Um, there were a few things that really captured my attention. You mentioned Ted Lasso. Uh, and honestly, I was very late to like the Ted lasso train uh we just started watching it about a week and a half ago uh and then we finished watching it about a week and a half ago as well uh it was like a (laughs) a two or three day like uh marathon and just got through the whole thing um i want to do another episode yeah yeah yeah. i'm so good um i really like the the new season of the mandalorian um some of it was a little bit too focused on some like very precious cameos that sort of hurt some of the character development uh, for me. But, you know, overall, it's it's f- uh, fun, weekly genre, um, space opera, television. But uh, the, the show that most did it for me this last year, um, super messy in parts, but I loved Lovecraft Country. Um, I felt that it was always very ambitious in what it was doing. Uh, and I love that it tried to reappropriate a lot of the themes that were present in Lovecraftian horror, but in a way and presented through a lens that if we were to like uh, resurrect Lovecraft and make him watch it today, uh, that racist bastard would have hated it. And I love that. Um, so uh, I think there's just something so delicious about that reappropriation of those themes uh, for uh, for 
group of people that were previously excluded from it. Uh, very entertaining. Uh, and um, I think it just it did something very special. Nice. Um, my favorite TV show is The Mandalorian. Uh, I absolutely love this show and uh, I was with it every step of the way. And uh, just I, I really appreciate like the world they're building and they built the world while also telling a really cool story. And, uh, you know, some some of the fights in this this season, it, it felt like they took it to another another level which i absolutely love so uh, it, it feels good to love star wars again <laughs> so uh, mandalorian really high up on there for me um i'm also just going to mention i finally watched uh watchmen which is 2019 but holy shit that absolutely um slayed me in the best possible way that is a fantastic show and i'm i'm really glad i think that they're leaving it at that right like there's no more yeah. watchmen uh so it's just kind of a standalone s- season yeah that's that's what i gather that it's sort of like a one and done and good good uh you need to get some shortbread to finish off that ted lasso um Mm -hmm. my this is where i'm gonna put hamilton because fuck you it's my list um it's really good i quite enjoyed that but uh we'll, we'll we'll put some real tv here uh the last dance the uh chicago bulls documentary where we found out just how much of a player michael jordan was and just how he just was the dirtiest player in the game and he would invent stuff to win he hated everybody he was a bit of a bully but uh amazing player and i guess that's what he had to do uh and uh cool stuff about dennis rodman cool stuff about scotty pippen uh incredible show uh better call saul is better than breaking bad yes i said it it's true Uh, I second yeah. it. And uh, this season was uh, the Kim Wexler season, and she is incredible. If you haven't seen Better Call Saul, you better get the hell on that. And my last, and uh, rest in peace to the magicians. Uh, I'm keeping that show alive. Uh, I haven't watched the final episode because I don't want it to end. Oh, dude, you and me are the same. I Not with the magicians, but I still haven't seen the final episode of the, um, the oh, Jesus Christ, what was that show called? Now I, I can't even remember what it was called. The Wachowskis, the, the show they had on Netflix. Totally my... Sensate. Sensate. I still haven't watched the last episode. I refuse to watch the last episode because then it'll be over. Yeah, it's it, it crushed me when it got canceled. It was one of the most imaginative shows on TV and nobody watched it. And I have <laughs> I have added it. It's it's on Amazon. I've added it to my list, and I am definitely getting to that this year. And I'm going to watch the entire fucking thing only because you're recommending it. And shout out to your podcast partner Dale, the only other person in the world yes, who likes the two guys. Like that's weird to me. Is is it weird that that's weird to me? I don't know. That's uh, cool show, man. I can't wait for you to watch it. And now we're to video games, and I don't yeah. play video games, so I um I pass the torch on to to the will. Yeah, and I know Adrian doesn't really play a lot of video games, so this might be a short. True. <laughs> uh, no, uh, yeah. So for video games, um, I mean there are a couple of like easy picks. Uh, I mean I could say something like Animal Crossing: New Horizons, which was absolutely the game of the pandemic. I put uh an obscene number of hours into that game. Uh, Among Us has been just like countless hours of enjoyment both to play and to watch and i am a sucker for a good jrpg so um persona 5 royale i uh when that came out i basically took about two months off of like really watching movies uh to 100 percent a game uh probably for the first time in years but even past all of that i think the game for me that i thought was the 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 best gaming experience i had uh overall was um final fantasy 7 remake um 
this was a game that did not have to be uh, good. It didn't have to like shift up its story. It didn't have to make a gutsy or bold moves. It was just a game that was could have coasted on the fact that it was a remake of a popular game, but it did all of those things. It reimagined what it is to even be a remake of a game and did so in a way that um, has me genuinely excited and unsure of what comes next. And, uh, uh, that again, didn't have to be the case. So, uh, that was the game I think most cemented its spot for me. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Among us that, that took over the internet for like what, two or three months, the last like two or three months of, of the year. That was pretty cool. Oh, so much so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my favorite video game was, uh, the last of us Two. Um, narratively speaking, I, I thought they took some really brave choices and I, I stand by all of them. I cried throughout that play throughout playing that game. So I, I think they accomplished their mission. I, I can totally see why people don't enjoy it as much as I did. And I don't fault them for that. I totally get it. But, uh, I thought, um, their choice to have us play as the villain, uh, for parts of the game, uh, was, I thought it was really cool. And I, I loved seeing that side of the story. So, uh, yeah, it moved me in, in a big, big way. And, uh, yeah, love last of us too. And, uh, will already touched on mine. My uh, number one game of the, the year is uh, persona five Royale. I've now beat persona five twice. And I think my first playthrough was 130 hours. And my second one was 160 hours. So, uh, I think it's the best game of the PS4 era. And uh, if I was to say number two, it'd be Final Fantasy VII Remake. It's incredible. Uh, have you not played the the original Final Fantasy VII, Will? Oh, I, I did. I, okay. I, was like, <laughs> I, I, I canceled a trip. to. I was in high school when first Final Fantasy came out, and I did not yet have a PlayStation. And I was saving up money for a school trip uh, to uh, Europe. And then a PlayStation and Final Fantasy VII came out, and I played it at a friend's house. I'm like, well, I think I'm going to get this instead. So straight up, like, you know, I, I did not go to Italy. I played Final Fantasy VII, and <laughs> I, I, I don't fully fucking regret that. I love that. That's no, like, a great, great game. You, uh, you, th- you said you didn't know where it was going to go next, and I was like, "Holy shit, he hasn't played Final Fantasy 7. Well, that's that's why that's why I like this because they. Uh, I don't want to say if anyone hasn't listened to it, but they've the end of Final Fantasy Seven remake. Um, opens it up to where they could literally do anything like they have broken free of like the constraint constraints of what the story was so they don't have to follow the linear story of final fantasy 7 anymore they can do whatever from here on out and that's exciting and terrifying but exciting <laughs> yeah i just wish it wasn't going to take five years for the next game i want it now <laughs> me too but yeah that's it for me oh i'm here i'm here talking i was muted <laughs> Um, Adrian. <laughs> well, I'm like clearing my throat and burping and stuff. I don't want that to end up in the, in the show. Um, uh, Zach gave you a list, right? Did you want to read that off? Yeah. Zach, uh, Zach Mosley, who was supposed to be here on the show tonight, but couldn't get away from his family. Uh, gave me his top 10 list, uh, at number 10, uh, never, Rarely, sometimes always number nine, the 20th century, number eight, the assistant, number seven, the vast of night, a, a Viceland, uh, comedy slash horror called get this donald trump is president and you're not a portrait of donald j trump it sounded like it was a it was a satirical kind of thing so i sure hope it was uh number five david attenborough david attenborough the a life on our planet which is a netflix doc about attenborough number four nomadland number three first cow number two 
Hell Yeah, Lapsus, and number one, a film none of us talked about, Bloody Nose, Empty Pockets. Thank you, Zach. Hell Thanks, yeah. Zach. That's awesome. Wow, did we did we finally reach the end of the show? <laughs> Made it through all our lists? That's that's insane. And uh, Will and Marina, thanks for thanks for joining us. It it really meant a lot to us because, uh, you know, in the current times we live in, um, we're going to have to start to kind of shift to doing more stuff like this. Like we can, because, you know, Bill and I, we can't record together right now. So we're doing this online. Hey, why not bring some friends on and talk about movies? So it really, yeah, it meant a lot to us that you could join us. Thank you for the invite. It was, I, I really appreciate being able to yell at you in person. <laughs> I love it. It's it's great. Rather than yell into the abyss as I do my walks and listen to you guys talk. But no, seriously, thank you so much for, for the invite. It's been a slice. It's been awesome. Oh, absolutely. Thank you for having us on. Like I, I first of all, Marina, like we again we we've we've chatted on uh on Twitter before, but this was the first time for us to kind of really be in the same like film conversation like this before. And Bill and Adrian, you know, I I would have seen you at some sort of festival uh, in the last little bit, but you know, obviously we, we, we couldn't do all of that. So I just missed the hell out of uh, both of you. And this just felt so necessary and needed just being able to just sort of spend a few hours just talking about something that gives uh, inspires so much passion in me. And um, that has uh, connected me with uh with all of you so much like this was this was very special so thank you for having me on to to share that with you uh can i can i ask uh you two both have podcasts are uh, are you guys going to be doing a top 10 show or is, is that is that forthcoming no. yes and not for us like the, this this is my top 10 here yeah actually i think we're recording ours tomorrow night so this oh, is actually yeah. really good it's like okay help actually in, in a lot of ways helps me also kind of like um format my thoughts nice. so yeah. And Marina, if, if for some reason you do want to do a top 10 show, uh, just give us a call. We'll come on your show. Hell yeah. Done deal. Well, now we've already I, done it here, guys. Come on. I'll just send people over here. <laughs> and you can yell at us again and, and we'll, we'll have fun. <laughs> no, I think I've gotten all the, the negative energy out of my system now and I'm ready for, I feel recharged to take in new experiences. The, the festival seasons have started again and now that everything seems to be online i seem to be even busier which i didn't think was possible but here we are getting ready for i'm, I'm skipping sundance and running right to slam dance so the festival seasons are starting again look how crappy we are at self-promotion we're like we'll come on your show <laughs> and you're like, you're like and you're like no i'll tell them about us you tell, tell them about you and we're like we don't care like we're so terrible at this <laughs> hardly, hardly. Oh, yeah, uh, but yeah yeah, go ahead, Adrian. Oh, I was, I was just going to say, oh, wait, uh, you go first. You go first. Yeah, just, just what everybody said. Thank, thank you both for coming on. Uh, this definitely means a lot. Um, this was our first podcast in over six months. And uh, I, I, I missed this podcast quite a bit. We were supposed to record a couple of months ago, but I vetoed it because I just wasn't feeling it. And uh, I was feeling pretty down a couple of months ago after VIF and movie wise, I wasn't really watching a lot. And uh, this, this felt really good. And uh, I think both of you, I think Adrian, who's quite possibly like the greatest podcast partner in the world who, you know, but the, 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 the guy behind the wheels of steel who does all the cutting and stuff. And he's, he's a badass. And I don't say that enough. So uh, thank you, sir. Thank you. Once again, thank you to both of you. And uh, God damn it, I hope I get to see you guys soon because I miss both of you. 
the feeling is mutual. 100% mutual. It's it's uh, not a matter of if, it's just a matter of when. Totally. Hell yeah. And yeah, like this, this time of year, we would, I believe we'd be preparing for a 24-hour movie marathon. And that probably won't happen this year, right? So... Yeah, Uh, it's a major bummer. And yeah, echoing exactly what what Bill just said, like, I've missed this so much. Like, I I, uh, really wasn't watching movies all of 2020 until Bill was like, hey, we should put together a best of 2020 list. I was like, yeah, sure. Let me just watch, you know. 50 movies in in three weeks or whatever it was so um i had so much fun getting back into movies again you guys really uh brought the love of movies back to my life and uh, bill's the biggest part of that i would say because he keeps me fed with movies and um you know getting getting movies onto my radar and him being like okay yeah you, you really need to check this out so uh that brings a lot of love and happiness to my life and it, it's something i've appreciated over all these years and uh very very thankful for and and that goes the same for for marina and will like both of you have because you've recommended movies because you've talked about movies on your podcasts i'm like oh shit i should check that out so um and we, thank we, you we said this before we wouldn't be here without marina so yeah i'll like, take i'll take all the credit no problem <laughs> <laughs> absolutely like I, I i still remember i don't know god damn 15 years ago maybe oh god uh, marina call, we're on the middle of granville street in vancouver she's like you want to do a podcast and i'm like i've never done that before i don't know what the hell i'm supposed to do she's like oh it'll be fine <laughs> and uh yeah it's uh about a month ago i went and found a bunch of old uh podcasts and one of them was adrian's first podcast with marina and i on granville street during vif and uh i thought that was really incredibly cool so yeah thank you to marina and uh yeah uh, i'm gonna start crying now thanks oh no okay let's go that's it before we get into a cry fest at the three hour mark let's call this a show (laughs) <laughs> I, be, before I, I let y'all go though I, I really want to give you one more opportunity to plug anything you're up to your twitter handle any websites anything you want to talk about uh marina can you kick it off for us sure so you can find me at on twitter at at the marina uh i'm pretty much at the marina on every social media platform except for probably tiktok because i don't actually post i just watch videos that make me happy um and you can find me at quieter.us and uh, atcpod.ca and will yeah for my uh, personals you can find me on uh twitter at whatever cove is my handle there uh i'm on facebook and letterboxd as well um and for our show movie bears podcast um you can find uh anything about us uh, either at twitter handle mb podcast uh search for movie bears podcast on facebook or go to moviebearspodcast.com to check out our gosh we're quickly approaching our 400th episode so um uh there's plenty of black back catalog for you guys to uh pour through so check us out there kudos to you guys for not missing a week by the way well you, you missed a few weeks but man we you guys are like champs we it's hard like you know like we'll like if we miss a week because like something's going on we make sure that the following week we for sure uh get it get it in there we ne- we never try to miss two in a row um yeah we are uh eight years in and we are i think tomorrow is like a recording for episode like 393 or something like that so um yeah we've t- <laughs> we've talked about a lot of movies 
So we, we've been doing it a year less than you, and we're at episode 99. <laughs> so, since we're pimping stuff, I want to pimp a friend's podcast to the Hell yeah. um, a film junk. Just got into the Guinness World of Book the Guinness Book of World Records for longest running podcasts, movie podcasts. They've been oh, wow. yeah, they've been going for longer than I can remember. Probably about the same time that we started, so maybe fifteen years, sixteen years ago, and they do weekly shows basically without fail. So congrats to that team; those guys are amazing. Uh, their shows are hilarious um and they they really know movies too so congratulations film junk oh that's amazing all right let's that's wrap, really cool let's wrap this thing up yeah okay i guess you can find me online on twitter i'm adrian underscore charlie also uh look up the crow show that's my i post there more often these days that's like my video gaming handle and that's what i'm pimping out these days um you can find us on uh twitter as well uh at the green underscore screen uh we also have our website the the green screen of death.com which this podcast will show up there you can also find us on itunes stitcher TuneIn radio and I think I need to add uh, one more platform, but we're on most podcasting platforms. Uh, so definitely check us out. And of course, if you've listened to this entire podcast, thank you so much. We love you. And uh, let me, I'll pass it over over to my my buddy, Bill, here. And you can find me online uh, on Twitter at SoundJam69. I hate socials. So that's it. Uh, I'm on Letterboxd, but I don't care. And uh, that's it for me. Hack the planet. Hack the planet. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) That pool Uh, on the roof, man. That pool on the roof. It's Olympic size. Totally. (laughs) I would totally fall for that, by the way. 100%. But uh, yeah, thanks very much for listening. And we'll talk with you next time. Peace.